Hello. Do you hear what I hear? Do you hear what I hear? Gotham City, like any other large metropolis, abounds in girls of all shapes and sizes. Debutantes, nurses, stenographers, and librarians. Gotham City Library, Miss Gordon speaking. Lopez hair removal, this is Jose. Holy transformation. One minute, plain Barbara Gordon, librarian and Commissioner Gordon's daughter. And the next minute, something new has been added. Batgirl, modeled after her idol, Batman. Holy apparition. No, boy, wonder I'm Batgirl. You are no longer alone, Cape Crusader. It took me three years to track down the Jade Gato, and three more to figure out how to steal it. Funny, it only took me ten minutes to figure out how to snatch it back. No matter how you do it, crime doesn't pay girls. at my table and eat just like you were my brother I could never ever believe you were just a backstabber you wish me luck in front of my face and even when my back is turned it's a part of your mind so I left you to time you will pay for your crime two-faced people how wicked Sawete, I'm your host, Stella, and this is Backward Oracle, the Barbara Gordon Podcast, episode 92, getting ever closer to 100, and this is actually the fifth anniversary, part one, for December MMXIV. Backroll the Oracle is brought to you by MileHighComics.com, your new and collectible comic book store. Mile High Comics has an inventory of over 5 million comics from the gold, silver, modern, and bronze age. Sorry, went backwards there. And over 100,000 trade paperbacks. If you're into the vintage stock, or if you're not into it, Mile High Comics also has a subscription <laughs> service called the New Issue Comics Express. Sorry, I'm reading so quickly because I'm super pumped about this. Offering a discounted price for comics ready to hit the shelves. And examples of the prices you may encounter are February's Backroll 39 and Gotham Academy number 5, both for $2.69. So if you're looking for vintage back issues or a great modern subscription service, be sure to check out MileHighComics.com. Also, Backroll to Oracle is brought to you by TweakedAudio.com. High-performance, noise-reducing earbuds. Purchasers who use the code TBUSAVES get 33% off their whole order and free worldwide shipping. TweakedAudio.com. Plug in, turn up the volume, and give us a try. Backroll to Oracle is a proud member of the Batman Universe family of podcasts. Hashtag family. <laughs> hey, I think there, there, there would be a major problem if I came on and I only did this, this you know, anniversary show by myself. So then you'll know that something has gone awry. So, of course, coming with me on this wonderful ride for the fifth anniversary are my two bestest friends, Donovan Morgan Grant. <laughs> I honestly didn't think I'd, I'd be here on again after the Killing Joke episode, but I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I try to forgive people as Jesus did. And, <laughs> and my other friend who has broken my heart repeatedly and stolen locks of my hair, Joshua <laughs> Lappenbertoni. 
Donovan is a week ago, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks, Fish. Now, before I get started interrogating you, I actually am going to call somebody up and interrogate them on the phone. Is your mom? <laughs> no, that will That's never happen. I had to swear on my love of moose that I would never let that happen again. So here we go. Put this on the speaker. Can you hear okay? Is, my first is that, guest is, is hey, Justin. Hey, hey, stop talking over me. Okay. Oh. <laughs> uh, Jacob, is that you? This is me. Hey, I have a quick question before we start. Well, we're starting right now, so go ahead. Um, my question is this. You have kept your last name anonymous over the years of the podcasting. That's that, yeah. Would you like me to call you, if anything? Uh, you can just say Stella. Gotcha. All right. Stella. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so excited to be on the podcast finally. Yeah, I think my Don and Josh probably wonder what's going on, but this is Jacob. Yep. Yeah, they, you can't hear them, but they can from, hear from, from the island? Jacob from the island. Oh, on Wasp? No, he doesn't get that reference. So Jacob is uh, hes one of my former students. He's been listening to BTO for a while now. He's also the one that asked me, would I choose to save Jacob or Donovan? Do you remember that, Donovan? <laughs> we did it. It's him. In fact. Well, now you have to find out because I have a gun to both of their heads. So I, I want to ask Jacob on because he's one of my uh, biggest fans, I would say. So, Jacob, can you t- give us a little taste of the history that you have with Back for the Oracle? Because this is the fifth anniversary. I'm so excited. Yeah, um, I guess it was in middle school that I sort of tried it out of you that you had a podcast. <laughs> No, it wasn't 20 episodes. Give me a break. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I, I started listening to the podcast, and I've just been hooked ever since. Do you have any... It's pretty crazy. Yeah, and we're getting close to episode 100. Now, do you have any favorite moments throughout uh, the the run of Backroll Oracle? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I really enjoyed the Rank the Backgirls episode. Mm. episode and uh, just, you know, getting an in-depth view of, the, of each of the Backgirls and for their characters. I don't read a lot of comics, um, and so I guess your podcast is sort of my window into to superheroes, basically. So, yeah, the ring But that random, like, Joker special from, like, TBU where those, those sound bites were playing of you laughing like a psychopath. <laughs> What's your favorite segment from all the segments that have gone through uh, Backroll Oracle? I'm sorry, would you repeat the question? <laughs> oh, you're so polite. What's your favorite segment of all the segments that I've done on the show? Like Shipper Spotlight, Babs in the Tube, things like that. Oh, oh my goodness. By far, uh, reading with Stella. <laughs> 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 and it's over. I don't know what to do now. You know, it is utter betrayal that you took reading with Stella. What am I supposed to do when the book ends? Start making up my own storyline for yes. Saint Barbara? Yes. <laughs> the further adventures of Barbara Wilson. That's exactly what you're supposed to do. Josh is saying the further adventures of Barbara Wilson. <laughs> uh, one final question, then you've got a would you rather uh, that's coming at you. Oh, yeah. What What would you like to see happen in the future for Backroll to Oracle? 
No, I am so glad you asked. <laughs> uh, so, actually, now that you said it, uh, reading with Stella, reinstatement of reading with Stella was okay. definitely number one on my list. Okay. Um, but also, I would like to see a return of Kimberly Rockmore. I feel Ooh. that we have been uh, missing out on, on Kimberly and her insight into just the news and all that stuff. Okay. So definitely, definitely Kimberly Rockmore. Okay, back. yep. Um, also, I'd like to see a return of Shipper Spotlight. Mm, okay. But, you know, as far as, you know, just the podcast in general and, and people you have on and, uh, just you know, just keep doing what you're doing. And uh, I'm so excited that you've been going on for five years and this is just awesome. Oh, thank you, Jacob. So here's, oh, so here's the would you rather situation. So Josh and Don are are hanging off of a clock, and they're they're on the hour hand. And when the minute hand gets to that clock, it's going to cut off, you know, one of their their ropes that they're hanging from. (laughs) So you have the ability, you have a line launcher to shoot over there, get one, and come back. But you can only get one. Are you going to save Josh, or are you going to save Don? <laughs> With that question, I pitted, I pitted him and me against each other, and you chose me. Um, I've also, it, it seems like Josh puts up with a lot from you and Don. Um, yeah. I feel like he would be more forgiving if I were to uh, let him go. <laughs> I'll, I'll be a Jedi ghost. <laughs> Josh just said he, he'd be a Jedi ghost. <laughs> I can picture that. Uh, well, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to, to talk to us. Oh, my goodness. It was such an honor. And, hey, I'm also looking forward to episode 100. Ooh. Special for that. Yeah, we'll try to come up with something to please the, please the people. That would be great. Okay, well, thank you, Jacob. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. What have you done to this young man's mind? What do you mean, his his mind? You've inundated him ever since he was in middle school for the last five, like half a decade. He's drunk. Oh, gosh. And it's Jacob, funny. Jacob, if you're listening, I forgive you. I forgive for, yeah, being, yeah. Oh, man, yeah. And just in case people are wondering, like, what's going on? This is a little weird that this teacher knows this student very well. I'm very, his father is my department chair, and I'm very close to his mother. So it's like a big, he's very much like my, my younger brother. So there's nothing weird going on with that. But uh, he is one of my favorite people. And I thought, hey, you know, he's been listening from the beginning, so why not have a special guest on there? So there you go. And he played the game. His sister is terrible. I'll ask all these would you rather questions, and she'll never answer. She's like, I'm not going to answer that. So the, he, at least he plays. It's life and death. <laughs> Family against friend, you know, brother. Except for when Dustin broke the game. Oh, I, know. <laughs> I shouldn't have that. said, I shouldn't have like said, you're Batman. And he said, well, if I'm Batman, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Next time, well, it, I'm it, just it, like, it's like in Hunger Games at the end of the first movie where it's like, you know, we don't have to let the games decide who we are, yeah. you know, and then they were going to eat the berries like that. That was Dustin. Of course, in the how it should have ended. 
Katniss lets Peta eat the berries. And he She's dies. like, no, wait, I can't do it. <laughs> and Peta's already had yeah. one. <laughs> okay, well, I want to start off with that. But how about you two? Did you have any favorite moments of the year uh, that, that BTO has come across or you've been involved in? A little um, man named John Ostrander called into Killing Joke, and it was awesome. I I, I I can't, I don't know if I can say this without being like, you know, at the least bit selfish, but I truly enjoyed the Killing Joke special. Mm-hmm. I think that you and I did it. I was very, very humbled to be asked to be on that. And I think mm-hmm. that you and I uh, did a, if, a, if I can speak for you and I, I think, <laughs> I think we did a fantastic job analyzing that, that really, really mm-hmm. notable story. Mm-hmm. And I know that, I know that like, you don't, you're not going to go back to that, but I think that like, you know, you, if you were ever going to tackle that story, that was the best way you could have done it. And I think that, uh, that was great. Yeah. I also, I also, I also, I also love, um, did you start the reading with, reading with Stella 2014 or 2013 how many chapters were there eight but there were a couple of hiatuses i don't know if i started it in 13 or 14 it took a while so the i first time yeah. you did it when i heard your 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 uh Chris, uh no no not, not that. like george, <laughs> george Clough. That, that was, yeah. I, I i was like oh you, she can't be serious yeah <laughs> it was fun. another another favorite moment of mine was when uh king and kodos came on for the oh, um san diego special mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yes <laughs> that that was like, did Stella really do this? And just the research that it took for you to do that and like yeah. to get the lines and the in- inflections right. I must have rewound that a million times. <laughs> and it's funny because I've said this on other shows, but Dustin, when I got his reactions of what he thought of that, he said when it started playing, he wasn't sure. He was like, oh, I don't think I'm going to let this through. And then it turned out okay. So I think if it would have gone on longer or something else, he would have said <laughs> you need to cut this. Uh, and he also, he said for the first time, like, I liked your choice of music, he, which he doesn't <laughs> normally, like, comment, you know, like that on, on my show. So it turned out okay. Yeah, I I really like the Killing Joke. At, well, the episode, I didn't, you know, not the book <laughs> itself, but, but I think we did justice just to really analyzing it and, and discussing it. I loved having people call in and, and, and even write in and, give what their thoughts were and, and their their beliefs or hypotheses as to what happens at the end. I think that will always be a mystery and just, yeah, it, I mean, it's such a big story that I'm glad I didn't pass over it. You know, I, I can't say I'm really glad I read it, but, you know, I, I think we did justice to the story and thanks, Don, for being a part of that. I have a least favorite moment, too. Oh, gosh. And I think my uh, – oh, I can only imagine. I think uh, another favorite was, you know, very recently just that that interview with um, the new Batgirl creative team. And uh, I, I just loved how easy they were to get along with and, and just – I don't know. They were very fun. I loved how they interacted and, and just being so willing to, to give me their time and to go through that first issue that they did was, was really wonderful. And I look forward to, to more interactions with them. Yeah. Please, Donovan, why don't you bring down the high point of the cast and tell us what your least favorite moment was. When you butchered the whole Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> <laughs> that, was the best, that was the best summary for anyone that really doesn't understand Dragon Ball Z. I did the best job I could. Were you, like, were you standing on your head, like, you know, in a of water, like, like, like reading with sunglasses on? Oh, it's about, you know, people throw a balls and Z's around them. <laughs> I was like, are you crazy? <laughs> yeah, didn't you include that on your own show? Uh, Jesse and I referenced it, and we and we urged people not to listen to it. And then, like, they wrote back <laughs> the end of the So for one month only, my, um, my <laughs> listening people went down. 
the, you the got the Colbert downloads. bump. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh yes. Ah, uh, well, I I don't know any anything else that you want to talk about BT. I don't really like to. I feel like it's being egotistical to just talk about the show, but I mean, five years, pretty it big milestone. It, it's a birthday, though. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Five years is a solid. I mean, th- this is a. I mean, not that, not that it's ending, but like, I mean, shows don't last this long, and mm-hmm. like, you know, or as or as. Have you ever missed a month? No, I've been pretty consistent. Well, the lineup for today. This is pretty interesting. Now we're only going to do one old comic. It comes at a good time because if it were to come another month. There'd be some Manhunter, and I really don't want to put anyone through the pain that I put Dustin in just reading something that <laughs> they're not used to. And perhaps this was, you know, Karma, Kismet, uh, It doesn't fate. even sound like Babs was in those books. Manhunter 17, and, well, it says it says she's in there, so I'll have to... Oh, no, read. oh, I was talking about the ones that you did with Dustin. Oh, uh, well, she, oh, she wasn't. Physically, she was not. So, yeah, I put him through 176 pages of reading for him to... Uh, <laughs> come on and talk about the Janice Directive. But uh, I think it worked really well because apparently Batman Annual Number 13 is very near and dear to Josh's heart. And that is where we're going to start. So, Josh, take it away and tell us, uh, give us the plot of this particular book. I wouldn't say it's near and dear to my heart, <laughs> but it's uh, it, this book and I have a special relationship. Yeah. Batman Annual 13 starts off with um, a flashback before the quote-unquote present day, you know, present day being 1989, <laughs> <laughs> where um, uh, a cop named Tony had his apartment firebombed, and apparently, like, he's near and dear to everyone's heart because everyone just has to avenge him from, like, yeah. Batman to, J- to Jason Todd Robin, who is alive again thanks to the magic of flashbacks, Fantastic. and Barbara Gordon, who not only gets her, you know, goes back into crime fighting – to avenge Tony, but, like, gets her costume back from Marcy. You don't actually see this happen. She just has the costume. But anyway, um, they're looking for Two-Face, and they're looking for one of Two-Face's informants named Freddy, where Jason Todd runs into Two-Face for the first time, who throws him off of a two-story building while Jason Todd begs to his death. Luckily, uh, Batgirl saves him from some punks on the street, and then Batman shows up, and together, Two-Face and Freddy, they're all apprehended. Well, thanks to some out-of-character moments. <laughs> Commissioner Gordon does whisper to his daughter, I thought that you hung up the cowl. And she says, Dad, I never said I burnt the costume. And then, you know, the reader says, no, you just gave it to Marcy. Marcy was the name, right? Yeah. Okay. And that's pretty much the end of Babs's involvement in the story, aside from her later on visiting the grave of her not-dead mother, which we'll <laughs> probably wind up talking about later. The rest of the story just involves Batman realizing maybe um, Freddy didn't firebomb the apartment. The only way to find out is to free Two-Face from Arkham against Commissioner Gordon's wishes and take him to South America. And at the end of the story, when Two-Face escapes again, Commissioner Gordon rightfully reams Batman and says, "How the next person that Two-Face kills is all your fault. And Batman says nothing and goes away. And he's right. We do get a new who's who entry for Babs in the back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it reveals some things like, for example, uh, what's still in continuity post-crisis. And it mostly works off of the information that we got in that uh, Barbara Kiesel uh, Secret Origins issue. She's on leave from the library, so, you know, she's back working there. We do know that. And Mm -hmm. which we will see when you cover, I think it's Batman 450 or 451. 
she'll be back at the library again. The Who's Who entry does reference her time as Oracle, although the rest of the book does not. And it lists her um, adopted mother, Barbara Gordon, as alive, you know, where she's dead in the main story. And that pretty much covers Babs' involvement in Batman Annual 13. Da-da-da! I know! <laughs> I wasn't sure how to... I want to give some uh, some moments of silence for this. Moments um... <laughs> some moments of silence for the dearly departed, you know, dead wife of Commissioner yeah. Gordon, who's still alive. It reminds me of when Jason... Ta- no, Jason Bard talks to a picture of Barbara. Yeah. It's similar in that way. Well, we're going to – you're that long drawn outside. I don't want to get you started until we get there. So <laughs> let's talk about other stuff, and then we can talk about the um, the continuity of, of Bad Senior. Continuity? The, <laughs> yes. I heard that. <laughs> yes, indeed, continuity. Um, here's the thing. I just wonder about the timeline. That was one thing that had me scratching, scratching my head a little bit about the prologue. Because it seems like Babs was or is in D.C. during the prologue because, she, you know, her father says, when did you get back in town? But it's after the Batgirl special, which doesn't make sense because during the Batgirl special, she was working for the Human Resources Department. No, 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 no. She wasn't working for them in the, in the Batgirl special. She was back at the library because that's where they find the first victim. Mm. Oh, that's right. With Stella, that pops up there. Yeah. yeah, but that's, I don't know, but that's still a little weird because what happens with that whole storyline with the the HRD, like she never really left it. Yeah, the writers just forgot after Crisis. We should say this was written by uh, uh, Christopher Priest, a.k.a. James Asley. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and and an, titled... an interesting thing, too, is in her Who's Who entry, mm-hmm. like I made a note that it says like that she was shot months after she gave up being Batgirl. Yeah. Whereas, like, yeah. those stories were published, like, fairly close together, but, like, they say that it was months apart. Mm-hmm. I, I still think, I don't know. I, I think it's I think it's a bit of a weird, weird, like, she's not in town, but she should be working at the library. I, I think something's a little off with the with this t- well, timeline Well, and she says, her. boy, I sure never eased up around Batman. Like, like, yes! Ah, I also yeah. had a, no, well, she said, I've never quite warmed up to him. And I was thinking, is this... You know, is this some sort of weird act? But uh, if if her father knows that she's back at that time, which they yep. didn't erase that because she did, but then I wondered if they erased that from from the crisis. I mean, what is that supposed to mean? Why would she be acting? Because obviously he would know that she has some sort of relationship, at least in the costume, with Batman. I thought that was so weird. I mean, what what were your thoughts about that quote? I've never quite warmed up to him. That that really threw me off because. Yeah. At first, I was like, well, because I don't think at that point the comic reminds you that he knows she's Batgirl. So it's right. like, okay, well, it's like, you know, oh, well, ha dad, Batman, I don't really like, care for him. But, like, he knows he's Batgirl, and, like, you know, she knows he knows he's, she, she's, she or she was Batgirl at least. And it's like, I mean, so, like, if that's, if that's her speaking honestly, where would that come from? Yeah. Like, at, at what instance at this point, like, pre-Killing Joke, mm-hmm. have, has she and Batman ever been on the outs? Mm, no. Not especially. Well, yeah. and then Batman, he's being, like, very, very uh, rude to her. He's not like, oh, hey, Babs, my old friend. He's just, like, talking to Gordon, you know, and then, like, gets out of there. And at one point he says to Jason, I knew you and Batgirl can handle it. And it's like, so how about turning the Batgirl and having a line of dialogue with her? She's standing right there. Nope, not going to do it. Okay. 
Yeah, well, the whole characterization with Batman, I think, was a little strange anyways because there's a lot of strain between – well, I guess it, it's more in the, the the present timeline, but there was ob- some obvious strain between Jim and Batman, and Batman – or Jim was saying, you know, there's some, there's been something going on with him, and I wondered if this was due to Jason Todd's death, like he's just changed – characters he's just a very different person but i wondered what was going on with that was this josh do you have any idea if uh by this point tim drake was in the comics um tim drake did come that year i'd have to check like the month that this annual came out though but i i'm gonna assume that this is pre-tim drake well yeah, well, yeah I, I figured that much but like i mean in terms of like this is an annual but like in the te- in the issues of batman if he had if only a place of dying had shown it up yet but um i mean i think we i think we can all all three of us can call a spade a spade and say that this is a very confused mm-hmm. issue in terms yeah. of chrono- chronology chronology well, characterization christopher con- priest didn't know batman i mean it, it, it's simple enough that way well i feel that like he I, I feel that like there's there's confidence in what he's writing but like when it comes to the character interactions it's like it's going for a beat that the care that the actual characters judging by their own history it doesn't really allow for that it's like he's trying to write a very interesting like you know well these characters aren't as you know friendly to each other as you might think but that doesn't actually make sense <laughs> when you look at like you know cuz obviously this this is a, as a prologue it's written like you know this is back then it's it kind of reminds me of that Gotham Knights issue where it was a flashback to Jason Todd and Batgirl and like you know things weren't exactly how they used to be you know, like 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 Jason Todd smoking and stuff. Right. It feels as though he's he's assuming what went on without actually having read the books, and it wasn't even that long ago when all this happened. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the few times that uh, Barbara Gordon and Jason Todd uh, met pre uh, pre Red Hood. Because mm-hmm. like there there there's one or two times that they've like kind of bumped into each other pre Crisis. This might be their only post Crisis. Did, did, did they ever share a scene during Crisis on Infinite Earths? Because I know Jason was in Crisis on Infinite Earths. They, they just she like, was mostly was with in the background. Supergirl. She yeah, and she was mostly with Supergirl. But like yeah, back when um, um, Jason Todd looked like you know a little Osmond brother, you know, <laughs> with red hair. Like Barbara meets him at um like some party that disco suit Dick Grayson is throwing. Oh, yeah, I, don't I, mean, <laughs> I don't mean Nightwing disco suit. I mean like Dick Grayson's literally in a disco suit. And then you know, and they're both in Jason Todd's like origin story, but they don't really like interact much. Batman, oh. Killer Croc killed the Todds. I remember that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who are you, <laughs> Betty? <laughs> I, I do wonder what the the point was of having Barbara Gordon slash Batgirl in this particular issue. I, she does say to her father, "You know, I never burned the costume, but she gave it to Marcy. So did she have to go to Marcy and then explain, like, sorry, Marcy, I wasn't ready? <laughs> All for this, this guy's Tony name. This guy, guy named Tony. Yeah." Which, when she calls him that, I kept thinking of her brother. I did too. I too. It wasn't, but yeah. Well, the other explanation that you could give is because this was supposedly two years ago. I'm sure Christopher Priest meant this to be like in reference to the back last Batgirl story, mm-hmm. but this could also mean like you know, she was kind of in like semi-retirement like before that anyway. Like in fact, I think her Who's Who entry like um around the time of Crisis like said she was in semi-retirement and. She's talking about quitting in that uh, Crisis Supergirl story, right. and yep. she's not really doing it. So it, it could be around that time period if mm-hmm. you wanted to 
no prize it. Okay. I, I thought that this was sort of like written as a form of solidarity that Christopher Priest... Actually, he's, he's still James Alley said this, because he isn't... T- we gotta say that he changed his name legally to Christopher Priest, but at this point he's still Alice but... Um, why, this why, a, why, why did he do that, by the way? What's up with that? He said... He, uh, something about a bet, and like if he lost a bet, he would become a priest, and that was his way of getting out of that. But, um... Like, okay. I, Some not, people wouldn't... I don't know. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> it sounds I mean, like an episode of Cheers. But, I mean, um... What was I going to say? Yeah, I feel that, like, this is him showing solidarity for the character of Batgirl as Barbara Gordon because, like, you know, oh, I never burned the costume. Of course I'd be Batgirl if, if the, the situation warranted it. It felt, like, it felt like another case of a writer in DC Comics not liking the killing joke and having her in there, which is fine. But, like, as we're pointing out, there's a lot of holes in, like, this sort of, like, this is the story you didn't see. Mm-hmm. I, I think that it's more because he wanted to show contrast between the prologue and the main story. And he wanted, like, in the prologue to show, oh, this is before the Batman family was, you yeah. know, gutted down uh, by the Joker. There right. was still a Batgirl and there was still a Robin. And then you see the contrast, you know, in the we main story. Todd's thing in here. Yeah, you see Jason Todd, like, he has. there's a picture of him on yes, Batman's, yes. you know, nightstand. And then there's a picture of... Uh, you know, the dead Barbara Keene on Jim Gordon's uh, um, desk. And then you see Barbara Gordon in the wheelchair at the grave of her alive adopted mother. So, <laughs> like, it, it, they're showing contrast. Because first you see Barbara, you know, a lot, you know, walking and kicking and swinging through the rooftops. And then you see her in the wheelchair. I think that that's why they did that. Mm-hmm. That, reminds like, me, say, that, that reminds me of Hush. Like, one instance you see Batgirl, the next instance you see Oracle. Just the way you described it. But, um... yeah. Yeah, like, Barbara, she'll never the, walk again. In the special, though, in the Batgirl special, is that when they, I, I forget, because I know that, I listened to this episode when you talked about Stella, but is that when they established, like, the new relationship between her and Jim Gordon, like, she is adopted? No. Secret Origins. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, because that came just, out shortly with, between her and Dr. Midnight. Well, yeah, I mean, but I'll, it wasn't, I think, as elaborate as... No, the Batgirl special doesn't even mention the Uncle Retcon. The Batgirl special is, I mean, I, I, I think I may have misspoke. The Batgirl special is when she retires, but I was, I was, I was referring to the, the, Kiesel, the Barbara Kiesel story that was... Right. Yeah, Barbara Kiesel wrote, wrote both wrote of them. The, the Secret the, Origins 20, and then, yeah. Yeah, the Batgirl special is the one that established that Jim Gordon and Barbara Keene are her aunt and uncle. Mm-hmm. This is so confusing. <laughs> and, and, Renee, and Renee Montoya is her honorary aunt. That comes over when Dad's not home. Yeah. Yeah. Do, should, we, should we mention like I, I want to mention like the uh, the Jason Todd thing because if people listeners don't know the post crisis continuity Jason Two Face had uh, his Jason Todd's biological father was working for Two Face and he killed him that was part of his origin story which they dealt with fairly early on into his new origin and in here it's like ah Two Face it's you greetings Robin clearly you're you're new and younger and like it's like Christopher Priest we're meeting for the first time. I mean, if, if nothing else, an editor could have caught this. Yeah. Uh, but apparently yeah. the editor was have, taking a coffee break because he, he didn't cut, catch a lot. The month-long coffee break. Yeah. Well, that whole scene with him and Two-Face, I really don't like. First of all, Jason yep. Todd is, like, very, very easily defeated. And he has no pride throughout that battle. He is begging for his life mm-hmm. in a way that, like, I cannot yeah. imagine. And, I'm, and when I say Jason Todd doing I'm not talking about, you know – Red Hood, you know, Robin. 2014 Jason Todd. I'm talking about, like, even back then, Jason Todd in the 80s had more pride than that. Mm-hmm. And he's begging for his life. And then there's the wah, wah, wah moment where Two-Face is like, calm down. It's a two-story building. 
And I'm like, then, then why is Jason, like, you know, hanging on for dear life on the edge? Like, he didn't realize he was on a two-story building? It was, And it's not like the reader would be fooled that he'd be killed at this point. Yeah. <laughs> he already knows he's going to die. It's, well, um, yeah. you can't do anything in a flashback. I, I liked that, you know, he's throwing snowballs at the suspect and that pops up again. And I thought, well, yeah, that's a Robin thing to do. And he was wearing mm-hmm. pants, which was interesting. But, yeah, then... It's winter. Just not acting as confidently, I think, as he usually does, and and having fun with it just seemed very bizarre. I agree. It's a. Uh, I don't. It, it to me, it kind of feels of um, Rob, the, like some writers just write Robin as a psychic, and they don't write him towards you know in reference towards the, the different personalities that each individual like character has. Like if they're whether it's Dick Grayson, Dick, Jason Todd, Tim Drake, they'll just write him as like you know, oh he's a psychic. So let's, let's just write him as a kid character. And I feel I think that's sort of what we're dealing with here again. Mm-hmm. What about the main story? Um, <laughs> so we, I mean, well, the main part of it, anyways. It, right. it, this whole thing was called Faces, but we had the prologue and then the the present time. There, are, <laughs> there are some things I just don't understand. So I can assume, or I think we all we all can, it, that this now takes place after Killing Joke and Death in the family. But <laughs> unless unless before Killing Joke and Death in the family, like. Barbara was, like, in a wheelchair for unrelated reasons. Yeah, who knows. But Bab Sr. is dead. Yeah. So is this when you want to talk about it? What's going on? Uh, well, it's your show. Should we you talk can. about yeah, it Yeah, there are, there are other things I have some questions about, so we might as well just well, hit this now. This, this, this is not a very good issue, is it? <laughs> there was just, a very... There, yeah. This is not a good issue. There was a very weird time uh-huh. in, like, D.C. history... Where people were not sure if Gordon's, you know, first wife, who she's not called Barbara Keen in the story, but we're going to call her Barbara Keen to differentiate her from Barbara Gordon. But, but I, 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 this time, is. like, because she I, in the past, like in a previous story, she was legitimately called Barbara Keen before. Yeah, she she was, and uh, they made her Barbara Keen again later. And at one point, she was Barbara Eileen because they didn't realize she had a different maiden name, so they changed it so that she's Barbara Keen Eileen Gordon. Um, it rhymes. Don't ask. Uh, Keen Eileen. Okay. Keen Eileen. Eileen Keen. Or maybe it's Eileen Keen. I don't remember, but... Keyline Pie. There was a weird period where, like, the, the writers were not sure if she was alive or dead. It, it is worth noting that, like, um, the narration says that she was killed by crime six years ago. Um, but the backup stories, you know, or the who's who entries say that, oh, no, she's alive. She just divorced Jim. And, you know, she's with baby James in Chicago. Although it does beg the question that, like, if she's supposed to be dead, where, where is baby James? But maybe he grew up to become Tony on a hot air balloon or already or something. <laughs> Poor Tony. <laughs> Poor Tony. And, and and his Chinese Superman. <laughs> oh. They were scary. <laughs> what a way to go, go. Uh, so yeah, cause it's, we have, we talk about others being asleep at the wheel. She's dead in the story, but in the backup, you know, biographical stuff, she's still alive. And then, and <laughs> if this was, this wasn't just Christopher Priest that did this because when Sarah Essen comes back to town in the Batman books, like a year, like two years later or so, yeah, like, you know, it's like, Oh, how's your wife? And Jim's all sad. He's like, no, oh, but she's dead. so it's like is she alive or dead but then we eventually start seeing her in present day stories again so we know she's alive so and this would have been like two years after batman year one so like the character would be kind of fresh in readers minds 
And in that picture of her, she looks like she, she looks like Tina Turner did like in the eighties. She's got like that hair. It's it it's a horrible picture of her. She looks like a drag queen. Well, the, and, the art's bad all throughout. And, and of course, like they they're at her grave, and apparently they go to the grave every year. Which I think actually it's very inappropriate for like Batman to uh, ask uh, ask the question that he does while this guy is at his wife's grave. I mean, it's kind of insensitive. So, of course, he said no. And another instance of him, like, you know, not acknowledging Barbara in the story. He's not like, oh, hey, Barbara, glad to see that you're doing well. You must be really upset about, you know, your your stepmom's death. Maybe he's still She's she's not dead, Batman. I don't know why we're coming to this grave every year. Dad's acting weird. (laughs) Maybe he's still awkward around her, like, when she chewed him out for laughing (laughs) in the uh, Oracle year once. Oh yeah. yeah. Yes. What were you and the Joker about laughing about? Me? I, no, no, no. You, you, you misunderstood, Barbara. We weren't laughing about you, Barbara Gordon. We were laughing about your mom. We don't know if she's alive or dead or with Renee Montoya. Part of me thinks that that hasn't happened yet. Uh, why wouldn't it happen? I feel like we. Oh, she was I guess at, she the, was hospital. In the hospital. Yeah, I guess. I guess I haven't. But if you, uh, I don't know. Obviously, it was written later, but it, it just feels like it's. And the overall continuity. Uh, yeah. It 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 would it would have had to have happened because that was like so, because because yeah. she's like we caught the Joker which like she would have known by now. Mm-hmm. So basically, people aren't fact checking. No, there, nobody's fact checking. Way too many people asleep at the wheel at this. I mean, yeah. these are these are like errors, like like bumping into each other. It, errors within like the same book, like contradicting each other. I wonder what. Jim Gordon is doing right now in his life that Bruce Wayne can fire him. Do you know what's going on? Like his, what's he doing? That made no sense. Was that a joke? I could have read that more carefully, but I was just like trying to get through this book. But like, yeah, like I saw that. I said, I guess it's for like, you know, a Wayne, you know, Enterprises or Wayne Foundation, like board of directors thing or something or like Gala. He's, or like com- mm-hmm. c- committee, I don't know. What that he's supposed to be security? No, like he's like maybe a member of a committee. I don't. Know. That that was my guess, and oh. I could read it carefully in those scenes. But it's like you know, why would you put yourself through that? By the way, this was one of my first comics because it was in um a big long box that my mom got me at a garage sale when oh, wow. I started collecting. So th- this was how I found out that, like, Gord- Commissioner Gordon knows that Babs was Batgirl because, like, I read this story and this is when I first probably saw the name Oracle mm-hmm. all in this comic. Any other thoughts on Barbara Keane before I move on? Nope, not for me. She sure is alive slash dead at the same time. Yeah, Josh texted me at one point and said she looks like, not Tony Braxton, who did you say? Tina Tina Turner. Turner. Tina Turner. And I said, well, hey, at least she doesn't look like Barbara Gordon is a clone of her. (laughs) (laughs) They they did get away from that uh, since that that one Batman story. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, in year one, you know, she's, (laughs) she's looking foxy. I do want to talk about this story. It's flashing, you know, the the prologue sets it all up, right? That this guy blew up Tony and then Freddy was almost killed by Two-Face, right? But then Freddy gets arrested. So we find out Freddy's on death row for killing Tony. And this whole news report was very bizarre because the guy in the news report says that Freddy didn't do it. I did it. But Freddy's going to burn. And then a few panels later, it said, you know, it says Batman that he believes he thinks that he's probably innocent. And I thought to myself, well, the news report just said that he's innocent since the other guy just confessed. 
And it's not enough to release him. It's not enough to release the guy from death row. Like there's, there's no like there's no lawyer getting on this. It's like, Oh, you know, (laughs) like the judge doesn't want to pursue this. And it's like, well, how is he guilty in the first? Because like everyone in the prologue seemed to be so sure he was guilty, including Two Face. And like Freddie at at no point says, "Hey man, you got the wrong guy. Don't throw, don't throw snowballs at me." (laughs) Right. Yeah, and and later on we see that Two Face, for some reason, like at least is pretending to want to save Freddie, even though at the beginning in the prologue he was about ready to kill him. So that was a little bizarre. What are your thoughts on the Batman Two-Face team-up? I'll go first. I think it's an interesting idea. It reminds me of the recent team-up that Bane had with Alfred Pennyworth, just this thing that you can't really imagine happening. And I feel like it's an interesting idea to have Batman and Two-Face together because they had this relationship pre-Two-Face. But it was just a very bizarre way to have it happen. Uh, I, I think... Batman breaking Two Face out of of where he was. It wasn't Arkham, was it? Was it Arkham? Or and was they it said Blackgate? Arkham. That's weird. Shouldn't he have been in Blackgate? No, no. Two he, Face no, has he's, traditionally been uh, in Arkham. He's yeah, yeah, but he's saner than other people. No, are you <laughs> serious? <laughs> he, he 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 lets a coin decide what he's gonna do. Yeah, 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 I don't two, know, but he's he very much, crazy. I don't know. I would almost argue that. I think he's. He's different than Joker. But anyways, so he's breaking him out of Arkham, and and I thought that was a little weird. I I think if he were already out there in the world and and Batman, like, forcing him to do that, that's one thing. But breaking him out I thought was really not very Batman-like. And then, of course, you know, he's got to let him go. And, and of course, Jim Gordon at the end was rightfully angry just saying that, look what what has happened, now he's away. I mean, what do you think about the team-up, which I think had some potential, but just came around along in a a bad way. What were your thoughts on that? It was Um, very negligent on Batman's part. I felt that like a, like like the idea of Batman Two Face teaming up, it's a good idea. I feel I, I think they did that. They kind of did that a little bit in like the Brave and the Bold cartoon. So I, I feel that like it's not something I've never ever ever seen before. But I'm not saying that like it's a played out idea. I'm saying that it's a it's an interesting idea when invoked. Um, I think that like in this in this story, I don't know how justified it was, but it's always sort of an interesting thing to have 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 done, I guess. But um, it wasn't like it, it, it didn't like you know make me totally invested in the story. Honest, honestly, I was I was of a few a few different minds to it. Briefly, may I, may I ask? Did they explain what's up with Batman's cowl in the in this? Gosh, I hated that. Yeah, it was drawn like where you see his pupils. His whole like like his, his pupils like part of his face like with the with the, the skin. Around <laughs> he the looked like Adam West. It was really really ugly. I don't know. I, I I thought that I maybe I missed the explaining there because like it's not that way. But I guess there are different artists in this story. It's just like Odyssey. I thought Batman Odyssey, that wonderful story. Oh, the, uh, yeah. the eyes. <laughs> I, I feel like, like, like it, it's done because the story is realistic, but like it just looks pathetic <laughs> and bad. Well, no, just you know, like like what what I said before, it was negligent of Batman to do this, and it blew up in his face. Mm-hmm. Uh, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. It's. I don't think he he's a good enough detective that I don't understand why he had to take Two Face to South America with him. Mm-hmm. You know, didn't he have enough to go by to find this guy? It mm-hmm. was it was just irresponsible all around. Um, yeah. It's it, it, 
big mistake. And it it it, it fits with the narrative of Lonely Place of Dying, because Lonely Place of Dying tries to say, like, geez, Batman, you've sure been reckless ever since Jason Todd died, Mm -hmm. and this could be an example of that. Yeah, well, I think it's a bad development in the Batman-Gordon relationship. I think it leads to that, which was terrible. I don't really understand how Batman let Two-Face get the drop on him, and he seems to be, I don't know, defeated to a certain extent, and then, you know, now he's got this problem. I guess it's all for plot reasons that that Well, happened. and he asked Gordon's permission, and Gordon said no, and he did it anyway. That is yeah. disrespect. And he asked him at the grave of his alive ex-wife. <laughs> just, yeah. It's like, Batman, you asked me this on, the, on, on, the, on this day of all days? Oh, come on, Jim. She's not even alive. Why did you – she's not even dead. Why did you pay for a grave for her? And why the heck is Renee Montoya kneeling at the grave crying like a baby? Oh, dear. What's um, her interest in your wife? Oh, my goodness. I don't know. There's some weird humor uh, that I didn't talk about with uh, when Batman is helping him escape. It was very weird about him talking about his public image and just Batman almost seeming like Jason Todd with the way he was talking and like his sarcasm, which I thought was a little off, especially since Two-Face knew it was Batman. Uh, when he was like just as a ball guy? Yeah. But Two Face, so yeah, was Batman, that was and I have to say that Two Face is probably the most intuitive villain, uh, or at least portrayal of him in this, because he knew it wasn't Dick. I don't know. Well, the whole thing he said, I didn't foresee Batman coming. That was not good. But you know, knowing it was Batman when he was inside his cell, and and all of this was pretty. I don't know. But not <laughs> recognizing Alfred under a uh, Jason Todd's old mask. mask. Yeah. I actually, I, I kind of like the fact that Two Face knows Batman so well. He's like, I know it's you under that mask. I feel that like. I, uh, well, I remember my Two-Face fanboys, but I feel that, like, the character, the character is close up to Batman's where he kind of, like, knows how he thinks. Mm-hmm. I did like Coin. It was, like, a trick so that it would always land on the head, the head side. I thought I liked that little touch. Uh, something that annoyed me about the narration is how often the soldier-warrior analogy was used. I counted oh, yeah. at least four times. It's a, he's a soldier. And I'm like, uh... One time at the beginning would have been sufficient, but it, it does. It did it too many times. Well, yeah, I guess that's you know that's about all I have to say about this particular annual. The continuity being super weird and throwing me for a loop. What would you give this? We're out of bats now because Oracle doesn't really. I mean, it's more of a Batgirl story than it is an Oracle, though she does you know pop up. But uh, out of bats, what would you give this grade? Out of ten bats. Uh, I'd give it five. I think that like, I like seeing uh, old like stories. Like there's a flashback, and here's like you know Jason Todd, here's Batgirl. I like so like that kind of puts it up there. But like, I really don't like the artwork. It's very muddy. It's very hard to tell what's going on. It's, it's ugly. There are continuity errors galore. Um, some of the voices are odd. I mean, there's a lot of things that this comic has going against it. So I'll give it a, maybe 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 I'll give it a four out of ten. It wasn't. I, don't, I didn't really enjoy it. Uno batterings. Oh out my of 10. goodness! Uh, I'm sorry, but wh- when you have <laughs> this much oversight within a book, it gives the impression of you know not trying. Like if this was something that a student turned into you, you know, and and you and you would say to the student, like you know, did you even read your own paper? You have Barbara King dead in the prologue, but alive in the <laughs> biography pages, and you wrote this thing about Two Face and Jason Todd meeting for the first time. Well, yet who they've wrote met the before. Who, though, if you were to double check that, yeah, but 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 when this book was being put together, no editor, you know, read it front cover to cover, saying, "Hey, we might want to change one of these things." 
You know that I I'm, I'm not disagreeing with Josh because like it it shows it's one thing to like you know criticize the story and the writing but like the whole of the book and as this is an annual and as an annual it should be like like you know a special comic and like in there with the who with the inclusion of the who's who pages they're trying to establish a history for characters to kind of get into and recognize and it's fumbling all over each other so like you know I I can't disagree with his criticism it, it is it is a it is yeah, a yeah it, it's not a cohesive book. It's a very, it's a clinically, it's a clinically, um, almost disregarded kind of book. In a way. Yeah, the the continuity is off, the characterization is off, even like you know sometimes the art is off. It's. I mean, Can you tell me one is, positive thing from the issue you got, Josh? I liked uh, the who's who entries in the back. Okay, so um, there's. I just wondered where the one came from because you could always give it zero if you really needed to. You know, zero. It would have to be like. Uh, utterly we annual too. <laughs> oh, oh hey there are positive moments to that <laughs> <laughs> babs thank Is you for spending the night with me though? hey want to come to my that? wedding you could be my plus one uh... <laughs> <laughs> i cannot wait till that happens I, I, I hope josh is there to talk about it I, I, we'd have to do it out of order because that's like way down the road maybe we should have tom panery song for that one and Kevin, because Kevin really likes that book, so that would be an interesting episode. We should do like another Killing Joke special on that issue. No good. Um, <laughs> what? Anyway, um, what's your grade? So, oh my grade. Uh, I'm going to give it a five out of ten. So I always take a bit of a positive uh, spin to it. Uh, there are things that don't really match up. I still have a problem with Babs and just what she's doing because I feel like she shouldn't be working at the library at this time, but depending on how you're reading the special, she should be working at. Uh, I, I guess I'm just a little confused about about that. But I, I think there are some, some fun moments. I liked Batman at one point saying, I'm going to take a, a page from Robin's book, and he throws, well, he puts mm-hmm. pepper spray in, in the in the snowball and then throws it. But, you know, little moments like that were good. But just overall, it was, it was not the best annual. And you'd think that an annual, which is, this is a gripe that I've made consistently, especially since the New 52 has come out i feel like annuals there really needs to to be a purpose for them not just to come out every year but i think and and i've seen this for all the annuals that i've read for amazing spider-man that just really special or momentous things happen and they're very good stories but i i I think more often than not and you know with dc and stuff i've just seen like you know why are you spending the page number on this particular story and they've gotten better, I, I think, in New 52. There are some of them that I'm like, ugh. But this one is just that example, you know. I think a Batman annual deserves the respect inside that you get just with the name of Batman annual. And I think that this one did not carry carry the name. And I, I agree, uh, um, especially with, like, that Spider-Man thing. Because, like, you know, AS, I said this before, ASM volume – or. Uh, Annual one, the Sinister mm-hmm. Six. Yeah. Like, you know, annual 21 was the marriage. Exactly, uh, and, yeah. And, like, annual number three, he fought the Avengers of the Hulk. Like, they, they made it a special, mm-hmm. you had to read that. Yep. And, and here, it's just like, you know, it's a, I think the, the, maybe maybe the sell of this was like, you know, oh, remember Jason Todd and Bar- Batgirl? Well, here's them again. But, you know, they don't do it very well. Okay, well, we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to review Batgirl 36 and Gotham Academy number two. But first, we have Zayas' Radio Hour featuring Before My Body is Dry by Mika Kobayashi. (laughs) I'm so so happy. Did you listen to that? Yeah. Oh, sweet. But uh, did I pronounce her name okay? Yeah. Okay. 
all out. Stay with me and let's stand out. And outshine those trying to get all stars now. All we have to do is figure out how strong we are and what it takes to stay alive. Sink and learn what we can do to take them down. It's revenge and survive for now. We know it's part and you can feel my heart so. Help me to stay focused so I don't fall apart. I wanna be complete. It's not in me to retreat. I could lose on my own so I really need you with me. Is pumping. I'm ready to fight when you are. Let's let no one break the bond that is ours. Show them what it means to be a shining star. You have my body. Let's fight as one. exciting that each of us gets one particular issue and we're continuing with this this new creative team so donovan is going to take back girl away all right are you guys ready you betcha aye aye captain <laughs> what's oh. that one death is for tomorrow what was that phrase that they say uh tomorrow cries danger yeah tomorrow cries danger look up look up look up the sky is <laughs> if it weren't like like robotech helmets i would have squeed <sighs> okay um batgirl number 36 tomorrow cries danger story and art by cameron stewart brendan fletcher babs tar and uh, colors by Maris Wicks. Letters by Jared K. Fletcher. Maybe he's related to Brandon. This issue, I mean, af- after a brief scene where we kind of set up, like, the last issue, like, hey, hey, Batgirl's a thing. We uh, join Barbara Gordon uh, starting her new semester at Burnside College. She uh, runs into uh, an older guy named Jeremy Gro- DeGroot. And she's, um, I'm going to have a question about this later on. She's trying to set up her, her uh, research for her predictive algorithm for social mapping. And from the last issue, a lot of her um, – the algorithm was pretty much wiped away with, with everything else on her laptop, so she's kind of in a, in a fix. But uh, the new person at the, uh, at the um, tech lab named Nadima, she says that her brother can get her a new sort of um, – uh, it? it's sort of a bit, bit of a software kind of hard drive thingamajig. So she runs into him. Right, yeah, right. You're my favorite person in the entire world. Never leave me. I loved that quote. Actually, I loved it. I smiled when I read that. Yeah, I hope I'm not falling, falling over this plot because I, I genuinely like it. But some of the technology, I get a bit confused over it. So she runs into Nadima's uh, brother named Kadir, I believe you pronounce it, uh, who looks just like Ben Winshaw from Skyfall. And um, we'll serve <laughs> that 
cue roll later on, he gives her the uh, 4TB drive in Thunderbolt form. So uh, this this is all inside of another part of the tech lab where she overhears uh, police going over a robbery that occurred last night where uh, robotic engines, intelligent chassis, jet boost, and jet boosters were stolen. So as she's leaving and texting her roommate Frankie, she sees uh, people in the outside outside of the outside of the campus basically being besieged by these two biker chicks on these on those stolen motorcycles with swords, and they're kind of causing havoc. So she bursts into her room and changes. It's Akira. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's Morphin time. Yeah, I, no, I, not Power Rangers. I, I, I love the scene where she uh, changes into the background. Like, oh, but by the way, when she's texting Frankie, I love how like there's a guy like two feet from her who's also like engrossed in his phone. It's 2014, man. And that's so, how real life is. I mean, yeah. I walk out to my classroom and that's what the students are doing. Missed connection. So uh, the the bikers are terrorizing everyone outside the campus where Batgirl runs in saying, I, I love your hot bikes if they actually belong to you. So a fight ensues. And um, they're starting to get the upper hand because she's kind of low on tech, as we'll see throughout this issue. Mm-hmm. So at one point, she's in a position where she needs a grappling hook, but she doesn't have them. So she sort of parkours her way upside a tree. And when campus security shows up, the bikers drive away, yelling, Tomorrow cries danger! So uh, back at Babs' apartment, as Black Canary snipes at them and leaves again, uh, she and Frankie discuss uh, things that are going on. Frankie's getting kind of like, you know, stressed out by the hook updates. And Barbara's all in her own mind about the uh, the bikers, and she kind of recalls this this old anime show that she watched when she was a kid called Atomina, and the bikers reminded her of like these enemies that really scared her when she was a kid called the Jawbreakers. Not so, to be confused with that terrible movie Jawbreaker. I did not see that. I don't recommend I, seeing it. Well, I, I'm going to look into it after this episode. <laughs> Great. The next day, or later, I'm not sure, Barbara inquires at this um, sort of kawaii anime store called Robot Pony. Uh, and, you know, she kind of finds, tries to find background on Atomina and tries to find any tapes of uh, the Jawbreakers episode. But she inquires at two people who are big fans of the show uh, called Yuki and Yuri. They call each other. Uh, they're known as Katsura. They're basically uh, Jawbreaker cosplayers, and they kind of, like, you know, act snobbish and terrorize people on their own without, you know, without swords. And um, she kind of looks into, like, you know, the fact that they've borrowed Atomina tapes from Robot Pony. So she tries looking to the GCPD criminal database, but it's denied, even though she's been using it since she's started being Batgirl. So later on that night, she runs to Kadir and asks for basically a way to get into the door so she can, you know, investigate the robbery and also ask for him to make, a, make her a grappling gun. So she's uh, at the 5 East Air abandoned warehouse. She's investigating. She ends up uh, running into Anatomina Doll. Where, which is where the GPS leads to the bikes. And then she's besieged by the jawbreakers. They show up and start trying to kill her, essentially try, try, cutting her in half. Mm-hmm. She's getting cut up. She's getting beat up a little bit. And she's like, think, Batgirl, think. How do I get you? And then she goes back in time? Uh, uh, we, we see a flashback of little Barbara watching Atomina, and uh, she's getting really frightened because Atomina's on the losing end. I imagine it's the third act of the episode. And then we, we see uh, her father, Commissioner Gordon, show up and says, don't worry, don't worry, Barbara. She's a hero, just like you are. Just remember, analyze and observe the David like I taught you. See what their weakness is, and then attack. So taking a cue from that memory, Batgirl uses her grappling gun to basically, what's the term for it? Not, not stiff arm, but basically kind of like uh, hurl the bikers off of the bikes, and she grabs one of their bikes and... Clothesline. 
clothesline. Thank you. That's that's what it was. With a with a bike of her own, she basically uses it to uh, knock up against the jawbreakers and knock them out and tie them up. And um, as she's tying them up, they reveal that they were hired by her. To, uh, they were paid for the bikes. They were given away to steal the bikes, and they said, you know, they would get they basically get over a million bucks to kill her or half a million dollars to kill her. And so she says, why would why do we think I hired you to kill myself? And they're like, I don't know, but it was a lot of money. So she leaves him for the cops. At the end of the issue, she uh, uses Kadir's um, thunderbolt to basically bring, bring up her research. Although he bursts in and reveals that she had lost it, so she's try- she doesn't want anybody to know about that. And then Frankie shows up and says, "Oh, hey, is this the cute, the cute professor you're talking about?" And everyone's embarrassed. Oh boy, to be continued. And that's. I I loved this. I loved this. Uh, I I think. What? What'd you say? I know, right? (laughs) You know, I thought that the first issue of their run was wonderful, and and I think now they're just picking up speed because you know the first issue. I think you always have to introduce the status quo, so people I think will probably inevitably have some issues just with you know there being info dumping but i think they managed it well and there wasn't a great amount of info, info dumping and they were holding stuff off and here we're continuing uh seeing babs as barbara gordon outside of her mask uh and and what she's doing you know in her other life and and i love that you know the first scene is just an everyday scene getting to know her at the mall and of course having dinah being a sourpuss sourpuss oh <laughs> <laughs> what you call us? Oh, Hell yeah! Oh man, yeah. So being, you know, being <laughs> she follows them around just to like, you know, make snide comments. Yeah, because yeah, and Frankie's like, "When's your roommate gonna leave?" Which, of course, Hello. any roommate would obviously ask that because Babs just moved in. Yeah, but, you know, she doesn't have to hang out here if she doesn't want to. I know. But it's yeah, like, I, I just love that where it's still like a very heavy percentage of seeing Babs at a costume and getting to know her and what she's doing in her regular life. And then, you know, a smaller percentage with Batgirl and just gaining speed there. And I, I really love that. Yeah, I, I, I love this issue. I really, really enjoyed reading it. It was just a fun yep. um, just a fun story. Like, uh, I liked the development of the, of the status quo for Barbara, but I liked the mm-hmm. plot. I thought the plot was fun. I thought it was, like, funky. I, I liked um, being the new characters. Uh, just, I mean, I really don't have anything wrong. With, I mean, I, I, might, I might bring up some things that like, I might want to talk about, but I really don't have anything that I hated from this issue. And, like, uh, it's just... It's really fun to see this, like, like this character being written this way. In that, like, you know, she's Barbara Gordon. She's doing her thing. She's kind of like moving on with her own life. But when trouble shows up, she'll kick down a door and become Batgirl. That's that's cool. <laughs> so, and then like, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about everything right now. But I just, I, I can't gush about this enough. I really, really enjoyed this. I like this issue. Um, I did not <laughs> like it as much as I liked. What's what's so funny? Because this is how you sound to me. I like this issue. I did. I mean, I, like I just want to be more pumped. Woohoo! Okay, so I really liked this issue. I did not like it as much as um, the previous issue, but I still really liked it a lot. It just wasn't as high as the other one for me. Uh, it had a lot of great moments, and I'm digging the art. I do need to call out Bleeding Cool because oh, yeah. <laughs> Bleeding Cool had an article like when this issue came out. Where it shows the page of, you know, Barbara getting the um, external hard drive from, uh, from Q and, you know, walking past, you know, the guys and, like, correcting their board. 
and they basically like you know decided to cry plot hole they're like aha so barbara had like this very important school thing and she didn't back it up to the cloud plot hole and i kid you not they had a whole article about that a whole article saying man oh man isn't this a plot hole and a lot of people just you know love to cry plot hole at stuff that aren't plot holes now and it's really something that's annoying me so okay she needed a 10 terabyte, I think it was 10 terabytes, a 10 terabyte hard drive, external hard drive, to recover this data. So Bleeding Cool thinks that she could have just uploaded this to the cloud. Now, most of these cloud systems that can hold that, mu- that, can hold that much cost money. You can, you, there's, there's not like a free cloud that you can just upload 10 terabytes worth of information to. Mm-hmm. But that's okay because it costs money. Now, last issue, what did they establish Babs' money situation was? Very poor. Less than no. Overdrawn. Less than, less than none. So how would she be able to, play f- to pay for this cloud? Gee, Bleeding Cool, it sounds like your article has a plot holes! Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're for that. Do you think Bleeding Cool is a uh, – are they a follower of Gail Simone? So they're trying to – are I they know. upset? And, and I read the comment section of the article, which mm-hmm. was like three pages mm-hmm. of a message board thing, and not one person, like, mentioned, pointed out, um, she would have had to have bought, like, 10 terabytes worth of cloud space, yeah. which is really expensive. Like, even for the, the cloud on the iPhone that I use, is like 20 bucks a month for, like, you know, maybe 20 gigabytes or something like that. I'd have to check. <laughs> Someone's probably saying, wow, that sounds expensive because I'm I'm probably being inaccurate. (laughs) It it, it was a hiccup. hiccup. (laughs) (laughs) Josh has bodily functions while he records for long periods of time. Um... Whenever whenever Dustin burps, I cut it out. I don't think I can cut that out. I've never heard of burp. That's because I cut it out. (laughs) 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 Dustin doesn't burp. Oh, no. Dustin, Dustin, Dustin's Batman. Batman doesn't burp. In fact, most of the comments were like, you know, stuff about the run, like, wow, this looks like hipster stuff. And, you know, so... they, like people who hadn't even read the issue. It's almost like that the people and I can I was I was on the fence of making that criticism before this before this run started. Like, you know, the, like the idea that like they're trying to have us buy into hipster culture because they think we're stupid, but we're not stupid. We're smart. You see, like that, that, that very like blanket, like, you know, knee jerk reaction is very unbecoming of this very well-written story. Well, and, and I think that they address that in the, the Burnside Chats episode very well. Yeah. I, I mean, that's... And none of the stuff that I have seen has been out of the ordinary. Uh, because a lot of, a lot I, I do encounter the, you know, those sorts of things. Like, where I live is very much a hipster town. So, like, it feels like, well, yeah, I'm kind of learning in the Burnside. I love uh, Dinah's little jab at the fact, like, I hope I can find out something that's not a microbrewery or whatever can we talk about her talk about dinah sure i know, I know you got i know i know there's a reason why she's like this in the book yeah uh-huh. i you know so i'm not i'm not so you don't need to sit me down and explain uh-huh. like in that in birds of prey I, I, I understand yeah. but I, I i i it's not and i said i've said this before it's not i don't really like seeing Dinah because I feel that like she's been written not as Dinah Lance who's man at background but like as you know Barbara needs a mean girl to like you know kind of like bully kind of like that girl in Gotham Academy which we'll get into like you know oh, she, she kind of yeah for like, for like, yeah for that, like, that took a very weird turn by the way but we'll get to that 
for lack of a better phrase, it's almost like she needs a bully to like you know almost a Flash Thompson in this in this book, mm-hmm. because because it's not like she's mad at Barbara. She goes out of her way to be like rude and like you know see you losers. And Frankie, frankly, rightly says you know she doesn't have to say we don't have to put up with this crap. She can leave whenever she want, whenever you need her to like. And I don't. I, I don't like the fact that they're using Dinah Lance like that because it does. It feels like they're using her as a type of a character rather than they're, they're using the character itself. And like, I can I can deal with it every issue, but like, it is. I don't want it to go on forever. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just my only concern. I don't think it will. And, and originally, you know, reading that Birds of Prey run, Barbara very much had that righteous anger because of what Dinah had done. And uh, it's interesting to see Babs quickly push that aside and, and, you know, try to be with her. And now it's just at the opposite end of the spectrum, the fact that Barbara made this mistake and and Dinah is paying for it to a certain extent and she's very upset about it. Uh, I agree with you that it shouldn't it should not go on for a long time. I know I don't know what the, the span of time was between. Uh, Birds of Prey number 34 and Batgirl 35 because obviously there's a future's end and and all that stuff that that went on in between but I I think it's going to take her a little while to to, it's a big thing that happened that basically her life went up in flames and it was partly to Baz was to be blamed I'm hoping that this villain that's been in the background and she was in the background in this one or he is in the background here the fact that you know She's or he is threatening Barbara and, and knows her secret and everything that hopefully this will bring them closer together. Now it's said, you know, uh, the creator said we don't want a bird of the prey team, but I'm hoping that there is some sort of catalyst that brings them closer together and she, she gets some sort of life and everything. But perhaps it's good to have one person that we know, whereas all these other characters are very new. You know, Dinah is that one person that we've seen before. We've had experience with her before. And, and I guess just as humans, you know, we, we need some time to get over our issues. So maybe she just, <laughs> maybe she just needs some, some time and, and hopefully this villain will, will bring them together. Maybe. Can we talk about that last scene? Because I'm really, really confused. Like, I had Were to read at the it. the table? A... Yeah, I was really, really confused, like, the first time I read it. And I reread mm-hmm. it. But I guess, like... Babs doesn't want, you know, a uh, Professor Hunk guy to, like, know that, you know, her stuff was deleted but then recovered. But, like, what's wrong with him knowing that? Like, And not only – well, because she would probably lose – right now she's trying to get funding for her research. And this isn't even, you know, the main professor that she has to get that funding from. But you saw right. in the first issue that she's already struggling to get some funds. So I think – if they found out that she's lost everything that potentially her case for getting funding is built on, then she would lose even that opportunity. But she got it back. Oh, I know, but they didn't know in the first place. So that's why they're like, wait, you lost it? That's why Jeremy says, wait, what? Did you delete it? And then, I... you know, but it's okay. Yeah. It, it, would, it would be like, hey, Josh, did you make that sandwich for me? And, like, oh, it, accidentally got, it accidentally got ruined, but I made a ruined? new one. Like, what is ruined? ruined? It got ruined? Ru- it got ruined. <laughs> it got uh, ruined. And I'm like, yeah, but I made you another one. Like, it like, got ruined. Like, like no harm, no fun. <laughs> I don't understand. What is ruined? It turned ruined. Into well, I mean, I, 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 I kind of see what Josh is saying because it's like, it's like you know, I guess they're concerned. The concern is that like, if she doesn't have it physically, you know, in her, in her purse, you know, in her possession, then there's no reason like you know trust her to give her research time or money or whatever. But like. 
maybe she got it back. So like like I don't, I'm, I can, I can kind of see it, but I, I was I was I was also confused when I first read it myself. Yeah, like like she got it back though. So like it's not like shouldn't she be able to say like oh yeah there was a hiccup with my computer but thankfully it's still here like I, I i don't like i could see how that might make the you know funding people uncomfortable but i think that like the characters are exaggerating just how big of a deal it is and like uh that 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 one girl she's like she's got her hand like across her throat shut, like shut, no no <laughs> yeah like shut up exactly <laughs> um, well i mean if if this is what she's been basing her like thesis on, though. So it's a pretty important part, her algorithm. But if one of your students, like, and you think know, about how long she did it. She said that she had been working on it since she got injured by the Killing Joke. Since okay. 1987. Yeah, so it's been going on a long time. If one of your students like accidentally destroyed their homework, but and, and then they it. turned it into you, uh-huh. and they said, "Hey, Stella, you know." Well, hopefully, they wouldn't call me that, but yeah. Well, we can't, we can't, we, we, we can't hey, use your pal. last name. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, Miss Ladin teacher, um, yeah. I accidentally destroyed my homework, but luckily I was able to recover it, so here's the assignment. Would you give them an F? Yes. A 5 out of 10. A 5 out of 10? Yeah. But they recovered their homework. I know, but it was late. No, it wasn't. They still got it in on time. <laughs> oh, they got it in on time. Then, yeah, they'd get an okay grade. Because as far as we know, Barbara has it. They didn't even have to tell me it was ruined. They could have just turned it in. Okay, well they turned it in, and then and then and then their um, roommate Frankie comes in and says, "Hey, (laughs) why are they living with another?" Oh no 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 no! It wasn't Frankie. Like uh, their gadget guy comes in and says, "Hey, I see see you're turning in that homework that you accidentally ruined." Yes. (laughs) Oh, he said ruined this time. Ruined. Yeah, I see you're turning in your homework that you ruined. <laughs> what would your reaction be? Like, oh, it was destroyed, but now it's here. Oh, well, I'll just grade it anyway. Yeah, so it's been returned. Oh, and wow, you know what happened? Yeah. Batgirl! What? Yeah, Sorry, the... I liked that. His little exploding, like, his head blew up. His, his, <laughs> mind, his <laughs> mind blown, you know? His brain was electrified. You know what's funny, Josh, is that Jacob... Uh, whom you heard at the beginning, he says that one of his favorite things is hearing, you know, you and your crazy connections. Your rants. And and I I was wondering if something would happen, and it, and in fact it did, where you connected Batgirl to a sandwich. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I no, I connected this like big algorithm that Babs has been working on for like almost her whole adult life to a sandwich. A fly butter sandwich. <laughs> Oh wow! There, there, there's a continuity callback. You better. I got, I got, a, I got tons of things to bring up. Oh, oh, the, the, Are there's you a lot we're of this issue. Taking too long on that. Well, well I, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. The, I'm wow. not. You'd I'm not think trying it to was pre-guess. Donovan's yeah. show or something. Sh- just one more thing on. about Frankie. Yep, yep. Uh, but before before we leave that scene, <laughs> I, I just want to watch it. I'm sorry, but like I, I know it's done. <laughs> I know it's done for comedy. <laughs> My goodness. Okay, go on. I, I know it's done for comedy, but like, I'm sorry. She, she should have the good sense not to say, oh, is this that cute professor? Like, in front of the professor and everyone. Like, <laughs> anyone over the age of five would, like, know not to, like, <laughs> say in front of, like, if I was with Stella in public and, like, and there was a guy who she, you know, said was cute or something, I wouldn't say, oh, Stella, is that the cute guy with her right there? Like, 
everyone knows not to do that. And it's done for, I think it's a very easy joke and Frankie should have known better. I get that. <laughs> However, my students, I do. I'm like, oh, are you two dating? I'm very out about that. I You're cruel. I, I am. They like run away. But I don't think Frankie's doing it to be cruel. I think the scene's playing it as if she's legitimately oblivious. So she's absent-minded. I mean, I, I, I think yeah, it, she says, it, what? What did I say? It's, it's, it's a bit unrealistic or, or unbelievable, but I, it, it's just in the comic. I, I mean, like it's... It. I, I I take your point, but I I didn't let it bother me. But I think yeah. that your point stands. I had fun just because it reminds me of some of the awkward situations that Stephanie Brown got herself into, and like saying things that she shouldn't have said, and thinking, "Oh my gosh, I said that out loud, and I didn't mean to." And uh, I just love the little like the little heart by Jeremy, like because he's blushing, and then there's like this little heart there, and such a manga thing. And uh, Nadima <laughs> or Fatima is, is saying, you know, ha ha kind of stuff, and and it even happened. I don't know. I I, I like it. I like Barbara's it. hair like wigs out. Like you see it like coming out in strands. Of course, of course. I, I can we talk a little bit about the the new characters that we're we're seeing? So Jeremy, could you see him as a potential love interest? I like this, but it's not. I mean, I guess you could say it's forced, but I like that. You know, he doesn't ask her no, out. No, no, right no, no. He doesn't I, ask her out right away. I I, I think that like, I think that like uh, at least for m- myself, like saying something is forced. It's something that, like, I think some people like just throw it out there just because if it's if it's out there, period. I don't think yeah. I think it will be forced if they're like, you know, okay, now we're dating, like they did with them with that what that guy and the oh, deal. Oh no, her that was her forced. Physical therapist. No, I'm talking about the guy who like lost his leg, like the the, the, the street rat. Oh, Ricky. Ricky, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, I agree. With we you. we went on one date and now we're boyfriend and girlfriend. That that was forced. This that is was- like. This is a legitimate, like you know, comic book thing where like a guy is introduced, they acknowledge that there's an attraction. That's that's how you do it. That's not that's I don't think that's for. Well, and, and they're they're still developing him, like yeah. so. So yeah. I don't think there's anything forced well, yet. I, I just, just like... wondered with the hearts and the blushing, like if you thought that was too fast. But I'm no, glad uh, that you know he didn't. Too ask too fast. Oh Stella, <laughs> this is this is Lady Mary all over again. <laughs> no, I think like um like like the fact that I liked. I, I thought it was actually very realistic because Stella, not Stella, <laughs> Barbara. <laughs> Here I am. Here I am. Barbara like just reacts like you know a normal cute girl would like oh thanks for the, thanks Jeremy I hope to see you again which which I think she's just being nice but like a guy who's attracted to her would be like huh see me again huh well huh he's straightening his tie I'll I'll see you later like that that that's realistic that the actually fact happened that you confused me with Barbara Gordon is perhaps the nicest thing you've ever said to me I'll, I'll watch myself next time <laughs> oh my goodness actually she does, she does she, actually she does remind me of you in this what comic. about uh Fadima and her brother I I think Jeremy's very cute I look forward to seeing uh, what happens does uh, he remind you of that guy from the Stephanie Brown run though oh like, Nick Detective yeah Nick? I mean he, he looks similar but Stephanie I think, I think he's more awkward too. than Nick is I, yeah and that never really panned out anyway. well and 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 um you know spoiler alert for the next issue like no, he, he's, he, no he's awkward in the next issue that's oh, all okay. And Babs meets a cop in the next issue who's kind of <gasps> like Detective Nick. Is his name Detective Nick? His name's it's Liam the... Hensworth. Liam Hensworth? You're joking. Well, his name is Liam. <laughs> oh, okay. What about Fadima and her brother Kadir? Nadima? Isn't it an N? Fadima. No, Nad- it's spelled with an N, right? Are you sure? I double-checked this. Let I'm, I'm looking at it right now. N-A-D-N-A-D-I-M-A-H. Are you not? Am, am, is, this, this is right, right? I don't know. Are you, Josh, I see... Are you, <laughs> All right, well, look, hold on. Well, well, let me reopen the book. Josh is a. Why does it have to be this way? What do you mean? This is a simple spelling of a name when we're disagreeing. (laughs) 
But it's not as if we have the book right in front of us. It does say Nadima. It does say Nadima. I was about to say, what did I eat? Let's see. N A D I M A H. Hey, look, there's a little heart down there on the next panel. Yeah, Oh, yeah. He's waving at her. I thought it was. They were cool. I like. Q, because like, yeah. come on, it's Q, and I, and I like the fact that like, uh, in this issue they established very quickly, like you know, can you build a grappling gun for me? Like, oh, background, I'm a big fan. I've already liked your, your your fan page. Like, I think that's a very fun way to get like a gadget, like building up Batgirl's status quo as well as Barbara's. So I like, I like him. <laughs> but his sister's fine. Yeah, they're all right. What in the world? What do you mean? Who are you? <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure you want to know? Do you think you can handle it? If someone told you someone I was ordinary. Someone else says, like, yeah, they're all right. I, I like having, I don't I guess it's maybe because I'm, I really love Ms. Marvel, but when I saw these characters, like, I had no problem with it, and I fell in love with them right away. And I like that they're brother-sister, and I like how they can help Babs on both sides of her life. I feel like Nadima is going to be a good Barbara Gordon sidekick and then Kadir is going to be a really good back girl. I hope he comes back. I was actually surprised that she gave back both of the bikes because I thought that was an opportunity for her <laughs> to have a new piece of technology that again is separated from Batman and is not gifted to her from Batman. But but I am I Those I really bikes were stolen. But she oh. gave them back, but why couldn't he have said like, "Hey, I do, I do want to mention this out, you know? before we get away from these two characters. I, I, like it's not the characters, but like I like the scene at the very end where like she walks by the uh, the math, the mathematic uh, equation, and cha- she changed it. And like you know, she walks out basically saying, "Guys, get your weight up." Like I thought that was really hunting. Cool. Did you feel good with hunting? Yeah, kind of. I, I, it, I don't know if it reminded me of that, but it certainly echoes that. And like that's a way to show. Because to me, I like it when in this day and age that like she's not just Batgirl. There's a lot of Oracle in her that she's kind of a genius that way. Of course. And it's not like it's one of those things where like you, you see back back you, well you see the character being smart as opposed to people just saying that she is. And I thought that was, that was cool. yeah. I like how she's good at what she does and she's happy doing it. She's confident throughout the issue and she's happy and she's having fun. I like it. She's the, not the, the, yeah, I mean the, 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 this is great. You know, after like the gritty, dark, you know, crawling in my skin run that was Gail crawling Simone. Crawling in my skin. I threw um, a battering in my brother's face and my mom got her finger cut off by the Joker. This is gritty. Uh, my exactly. dad's trying to kill me. No parents. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well done. <laughs> okay, let us talk about the villains. Yes. <laughs> Donovan. <laughs> what, what, what did I do? <laughs> this is your wheelhouse. Futishi Futagu, the Mount Death Twins. I like uh, the fact that I'm not the one that brought up your Asian fetish, but it was your best friend. Oh, yeah, I was going to do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 I like this issue a lot, and some of it does go to the fact that they, they dip into anime culture, because I am an anime fan. Like, um, I mean, like in, in the robot pony, the robot pony place reminds me of a place I've actually been to in Chattanooga once. <laughs> And um, like you, you see various like references in the shot. Like there's a Sailor Moon figure, and there's like a there's like an Astro Boy figure. There's a Kill a Kill figure. So like, that's kind of cool. Why the guy is wearing a mask and like, like being a snob? That's kind of like I'm not yet encountered that thing. But like the fact that this all related to because like it's very 
it's very, very like realistic because of the fact that there was a show that was kind of obscure that people liked that had a different name in America. Um, like that alone is a kind of a robotic reference. <laughs> I, I love how the guy was a snob about. It. He's like, I had not heard of that show, but if you're asking about its original Japanese science, predecessor, Nuclea, it's very much like super dimensional Fortress Macross, which is cool. And like, um, I I th- I thought that was a very u- unique idea for villains. I mean, they're basically evil cosplayers, and there's kind of, I mean, Josh and I joke about it. There's kind of a Scott Pilgrim vibe to it, but like, it, it fe- I mean. Uh, there's enough of like fandom culture that I'm aware of that it feels fun and refreshing, and it's, I think it's a little weird that like these girls will just really kill somebody for money, but you know they're, they're villains. That's why they do that. But um, I really really like the villains. What did you guys think? Josh, do you want to go next about the villains? This was a nice unique thing for the run, and it was a fun choice to have. You know, cosplayers very very modern and very very tapping into you know kind of the type of fandom that reads this book. So. I liked it, and I wish that I had a better way to articulate it, but it it was a fun thing, and I like how she had to remember an old anime that she watched as a child to figure out how to defeat them, and just the way that, you know, the, the shopkeeper was describing these girls, that, like, they legitimately go around dressed as these characters, like... Mm-hmm. Acting in character, you know, <laughs> bugging people. Yeah, like it. It just it, the team has tapped into the culture, you know, of uh, mm-hmm. of fandom, mm-hmm. and they, they've done it well. So this is the type of stuff that I like. And I like that two out of two issues they've used a villain that we haven't really seen before. We had that super obnoxious Riot Black, mm-hmm. you know, that uses social media for for ill ill gains and and he's crazy he's got terrible tattoos and he's a dj and then here we have these people that are taking cosplay a little too far and you know are like hired contract killers to a certain extent i can safely say that i've never seen this before in comic book like like these Mm -hmm. these kind of villains yeah like 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 these pop culture villains yeah yep i yeah i liked it i i liked how babs you know, again, is investigating inside and outside of her costume. So, of course, she's outside when she's going to the anime shop. And then she goes back to Kadir and, and does some investigation with him and, and sees how the tracks lead in. And the doors were not touched because they didn't break stride or anything. So that was that was great. And then, of course, it connects. So I think we're going to talk about this because as far as I know, because I actually had a, conver- a, a short conversation with Donovan about this outside of, of this podcast. So I guess it's me, too. But oh. Oh, I don't know why you people are always doing this. No, actually, <laughs> mine happens very infrequently. It's always you and him. and you re- Then you go, you know, well, Josh and I were talking about this the other day, and let me rephrase the question. And I'm like, well, great. Are, are, so are Don and I cowboys? You, but <laughs> so this is old for you, but I've never heard it before in my life. That's great. So anyways, let's talk about the connection between the present time and then Babs actually having a relationship with this particular anime and then bringing her father in. Uh, Don, do you want to head this up so I can attack you like a ravenous wolf? (laughs) (laughs) What was that? Um, Okay, continue. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, like, 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 like the, I don't want to say the dream sequence, but like the flashback sequence. Yeah. Okay, um, I, I don't want this to come, come, come off as like, you know, girl, I hate it, boo, boo, boo. That's not what it is, but there's a legitimate, like, confusion mm-hmm. to the storytelling. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I, I get the overall idea. She's remembering mm-hmm. how this, how she got past this as a kid, mm-hmm. and she's using, the, she's applying that knowledge to defeat the bad guys, like, right now. Just the, way, the way it plays out, though, is kind of bizarre to me because 
it's not like you know this isn't we're seeing her as a as a little girl watching the show and Gordon you know Jim coming up you know and, and you know helping her through it. Barbara Batgirl is watching this happen. Yep. We see her and we see, we see first her looking at Chibi Barbara and then we see Batgirl watching the show sitting down legs crossed saying no no Atomic get up and then. Gordon shows up and she starts like, has to wipe away her tears. That to me, kind of, for a brief minute, it kind of took me out of the book. It's like, why is she crying? <laughs> why? I don't care if she's twenty-one years old. Why is she crying? <laughs> this is a cartoon. <laughs> I don't know why, but I get, I get the idea. I like, I like the scene. I do like the scene. I find it fun. I really, I genuinely, I love Gordon in this. I, because I, I don't. It's been a while since we've seen like this father-daughter relationship in this loving instance. I truly, really love it. But it went a little bit too far when we saw Batgirl anthropomorphizing herself to like being a little girl again. I don't know why that that was shown, but I mean, I do like the the scene. I love the fight scene, and you know, you don't attack me. Don't say you're wrong and I'm right. You know, I win or whatever, because it's just me expressing my 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 thought process as I was reading it. But I, I do like the scene. It's just that like I feel that like the the seeing Batgirl act like a little girl. Having her drawn that way was a wee bit too far. I liked it because one thing that Ste- – and I thought of Stella when this scene happened, and I think I sent her a text saying there's going to be a scene in there that will make you happy because she asked the creative team in San Diego, uh, you know, will we be seeing her relationship with her father? And I think the answer was kind of, you know, that they couldn't – their hands were tied because of Eternal, and they, they were going to establish, you know, Babs on her own as a result, which it is good to establish her as a separate person from her father, but that relationship is important. And I think that this was a nice way of having their cake and eating it too because obviously, you know, this doesn't, you know, affect or contradict or give away or spoil any of the events happening in the other Batman titles where Jim Gordon's fate is up in the air. So I, I liked it. It was a way to have, you know, her father in spite. It actually reminded me of um, a story that Stella covered earlier this year called Look to the Mountaintop, where she was remembering, you know, advice that her father gave her when she was younger. When her dad is in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised that Josh went against Dawn, so we'll take that as a, a mini victory. Hey. Um <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Mr. Napier, the nerves were severed. (laughs) (laughs) You see what I have to work with. Nice. Yeah, so this is, I I actually really loved the the backflash, um, as I call it, because you do, in fact, get to see that relationship that has been very torn I, I divisive i don't i mean is there really a word to do it's been it's been not good it's it's been he's not good. trying to kill her in this flashback of course yeah and and unfortunately you know the the troubled relationship is between jim and and Batgirl, but because her life sort of bleeds one into the other it's so it's great to see this moment and and how darling is babs is little babs drawn i thought she was so cute i love that look on her face in the first like you see her it's like that little zoomed in panel of her face so part of me, I, I totally get what Don is saying. I, I'm not going to fight against that at all. I'm just going to say what my thoughts are. I, I was just kidding about attacking you. Oh, it's good. just, you know, what my thoughts are on it. Uh, first of all, I think a lot of the thing is, ha- like, where she's taking a seat and all that is, of course, in her mind's eye. I don't think she's actually, like, living it and, you know, sitting down as these two chicks are on their, their motorcycle. I, I think the crying is coming in just the – the memory itself, not necessarily the fact that she's a little girl again and crying, but I almost feel like 
remembering this special moment that she had with her dad and realizing that it's not really at that place anymore and her dad's in jail and all of this stuff going on there. So I feel like it's more of a fact like this is what it used to be. It's not like that anymore. But as debilitate her, you know, she wipes away the tear and then she goes on. So I wasn't pulled as out of it, I, I think, perhaps as you were. But I, I really enjoyed that moment. It, uh, it is honestly, I, you know, my consternation with this. I, I think it is my favorite scene in the whole book because mm-hmm. it's a really fun. You're seeing like three things happen at once. You're seeing this 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 goofy show. Yeah. You're seeing you know the the Jim Gordon Barbara Gordon relationship at at its best, and you're seeing Batgirl use her intelligence to you know fight it back. And I love like you know kind of coming out of it like the cartwheel she does when she fires the grappling gun. You can kind of see her smiling. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah, she's smiling while she's, you know, yes, doing her adventures. Yeah, she's having fun and doing it. I, I think a lot of the, the great scenes came out as she was Batgirl as well. I love the quick uh, costume change scene. And it wasn't, you know, they already did a two-page spread in the previous issue where she's making her costume. So I'm glad that, you know, they made it shorter. But you actually see her, you know, put on her gauntlets and everything. I like how she learned from what happened in the first fight because she was handling herself to a certain extent well, but she realized she was outgunned. And then as this fight, you know, in the warehouse, I, I just thought she worked really smart. Um, and then being on that bike again was great. And them going down and, and being chickens. I, I just thought that it was well done. That scene, that, that panel at the end that ends the fight where she like, uh, knees one of the jawbreakers in the helmet. Oh yeah. That, I, I heard like, in, in like that Scott Pilgrim in the movie. K.O. Oh like, yeah. 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 There's a real big like vibe from that. That's that's just me. Mm-hmm. I also like the the fact that this is all tied to this bigger villain. So I'm glad that we have these you know these minor villains, but there's something going on in the background that's like a larger a larger thing. It almost reminds me of Sherlock to a certain extent, where you know the whole mm-hmm. season may have three separate cases, but there's always something going on in the background that connects all three of them together. And so in this sense, you know, just having that this fake Batgirl hire these people to kill her, uh, which you don't, you know, you think, oh, Batgirl hired her, which is funny because my parents just told me about this old movie that they watched where a man is very depressed because his wife died or something or ran away. I can't remember. And he hires somebody to to kill him. So he doesn't, you know, he's not necessarily committing suicide, I guess. So I just thought it was an interesting, interesting thought. Um, to have that connected, but getting Here, a, here's a theory. I Dinah's doing this. Dinah Lance. Dinah Lance. I what? would, if that were to, ha- that'd be very shocking if it were happening. Okay. Um, I'm only being like half serious, but well, the fact that she wasn't very um, nice. shocked by it in the in the in I want to say the first issue in 35 when Barbara says somebody knows I'm Batgirl. Dinah doesn't make much of a reaction. So that's why I'm a little, but however, if that were to happen, I'd be very concerned and I would, I would wonder about that. That does, that's interesting though, because like with the whole, you hired us to kill you, it is very much like, you know, who did it? Who, who? Moriarty! Yeah, exactly. Yeah, someone. So I'm, I'm hoping that it's not an anticlimactic villain because it's really being built up to a certain extent. I hope it's a, a really awesome baddie final pronouns earlier like you know like is it she or he or she or oh he, yeah so. yeah exactly well because i want to that's what i was trying to do when oracle was first appearing in suicide squad i tried to make it mysterious even though everyone knew <laughs> well because you know the show's called Batgirl the oracle i know but but in suicide squad at that time you wouldn't necessarily know who it was because you didn't even see the little Batgirl doll by it so i just pretended that i didn't know either maybe or there was an oracle before oracle maybe betty kane was oracle first Sometimes, 
Aura, Aura slash Cole. She'll have a slash in the middle of the name for some reason. <laughs> what about the art? Any thoughts on that? Love it. Um, I dug it. <laughs> I, I dug it. I like. I feel that like maybe it's because I, I was listening to Bab Stars, like something in reference. But I feel that like a lot of this, like this personal, this story was done by Bab Star, not just in the artwork, but like I love like the looks of the jawbreakers' faces. They're just like you know these yeah. very and like Bab. Back. I noticed in my review, Batgirl makes a lot, her pouty face a lot, and like that should annoy me more than it does. But like when it starts, starts fighting, it's like a sort of like this. It's on kind of face, which yeah. I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Well, I like the facial too. expressions throughout the book. I really like uh, in terms of artwork, and we mentioned this before. But like again, the, the scene, the very like, like earlier in the book where she first is Batgirl, that like kicking down the door and just like kind of suiting up. It's it's interesting to me like like she can wear her clothes under her Batgirl costume as opposed to, you know, the opposite how it used to be. This mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just it's it's a fun looking book, and it's a very it's colorful. There's something you can find in everything. And again, I, I mentioned uh, at the Robot Pony store, there are a lot of anime references that like you know the keen observer can describe mm-hmm. that I can find. Yeah, I I liked how when they were showing the TV show, how like it looked somewhat grainy, so you could tell like, oh, it's a that uh that Atomina character looks reminds me of a mix between Mega Man and the uh, uh, Jenny XL, like mm-hmm. from that show, My Life as a Teenage Robot. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Josh, any thoughts? No, I I think I pretty much covered uh, my thoughts on this lovely issue. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> Final thoughts on it then, and then you're great. The best issue of Batgirl I've read since Stephanie Brown's run. By far, no question, easily. Kevin would disagree with you. Who cares? Oh, dear. <laughs> Kevin, you're not here, Kevin. What are you going to do about it? I'm not going to curb my grade because Kevin has a different opinion. <laughs> great. No, great issue. They're keeping up a good momentum with this run. This is fun. This is what we should have gotten uh, in 2011, so keep it up. It really is. Grades? Do you do point fives on this show? Yeah. You do? Yeah. Okay. Uh, nine point five out of five bats. Wait, what? Nine point five out of ten? You mean? Or nine, yeah, nine point five out of ten. Because yeah. you just gave it like over a hundred. Uh, it's over nine thousand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Nine point five out of out of ten bats. <laughs> um, nine out of ten. Dinah Lance death stairs. Death stairs, you say? Death, and that, you nine, know what? Dinah I'm gonna Lance give it, I'm gonna give it ten out of ten. Sweet. Because I I loved the previous issue, but I love this more. And uh, the other one I gave nine. There's really no where to go. I'm not going to give it a nine point five because I think it deserves a ten. I had no problems with it. And uh, I even tweeted, you know, it's a good. Oh, sorry, I I tweeted, you know, it's a good back row issue when you're smiling from start to finish. And they were absolutely yeah. That's, so yeah. exactly. I'm well, doing like the devil horns, like 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 rocking my head back and forth, like rock on. Yeah, I feel you. Well, our final issue is Gotham Academy number two, The Diary of Millie Jane Cobblepot. Writers Becky Cloonan and Brendan Fletcher. Art by Carl Kershaw. Colorist Geyser with Dave McCraig and John Rausch. How come her diary just says over and over again, there's a war coming? <laughs> Blood in the streets. I can I can see it. Somebody has to be in charge. It might as well be me. Okay, let's stop. <laughs> no one understands that reference because my. What do you mean? <laughs> Why wouldn't anyone understand? This is a Batman show. People, some people watch. No, my listeners are only devoted to me, not to you two. She's a god to them. 
<laughs> Not at all. Okay. Having been assigned to read the diary of Millie Jane Cobblepot for her history class, Olive reads it with some disdain for the girl's morose prose. Millie had been placed in captivity by her own father, which is rather disturbing to read. And uh, her father hoped to get some information from her, but we don't know what that is. Olive uh, is then startled from reading by some thuds and scraping, and she goes out to explore. And out the window, she sees the looming bat signal in the sky, which, of course, we know she hates Batman for some reason. And she just wishes it would go out. On the ground below, she sees cloaked figures running in the night and is frightened suddenly when Batman himself peers back at her through the glass or someone who looks like Batman anyway. The next morning, a tired Olive can hear her fellow students gossiping about the ghost that's supposed to be haunting the North Hall and apparently has migrated in the night to the dorms based on the sounds that everyone heard. Behind her, uh, her BFF, just kidding, Pomeline is kissing Heathcliff, which I wondered if this guy's out of Wuthering Heights, uh, and warns him not to tell anyone about the role in the rumor. She catches Olive looking and warns her to mind her own business. She stands to antagonize Olive further, but luckily Professor McPherson arrives in time to send Pomeline back to her seat, and unfortunately these two girls are put together for the Gotham History Project. At lunch, Olive attempts to sit at the same table as a boy that happens to be well, creepily or sketchily, making a sketch of her friend Maps. Tetsuo! And I loved the fact, just the stare, like when he puts it down, it's like, and then you see the word stare on it. Um, and just the creepy, I, I love yeah. that, little, that little moment there. So just then Maps' brother, Kyle, asks Olive's time for a moment, but she's pretty uncomfortable about it since they broke up and she runs off and uses her history project as an excuse. And then Maps appears and he notices the artistic boy nearby and she wonders uh, if he can draw a cosplay character of hers for her someone that she dresses up as uh, so that was nice i think he was very nervous about it though giant balls of sweat because <laughs> because he's covering his book like <laughs> do not let her see yeah i know uh in the library olive and pomeline are working on their project as separately as possible they're interrupted could you by- pass the salt they're interrupted by Mr. Scarlet, who uh, looks like Riddler, and uh, he offers them hints as to which books they should be reading and gives Olive a note with the name of a book he thinks will be of particular value to them. So Olive goes and looks for the the book, and uh, she is wondering all the while if she'll ever have the willpower to stand up to Pomeline. Olive finds the book and also spots a creepy young man near the stacks with the older books and sees that there's something strange about his eyes because they're red. The book turns out to be Diary of Millie Jane Cobblepot, which, how helpful is that? Uh, But actually, (laughs) well, because they already have it. Uh, But this one has handwritten notes all over it. And then there's also a map of the cemetery behind North Hall. And Pomeline's super excited about this and decides to text Heathcliff. And Olive wants the book back, but Pomeline takes it and says that Olive should already know what it's like to be a crazy teen, and so would her mother. So we get a little insight as to what's going on there. Then Olive goes to chemistry class, and she's thinking about Pomeline's comment about her mother, but that annoying kid from the previous issue causes an explosion. She overacts and leaves class. Then she goes to watch Kyle practice tennis. She misses him, but worries what he'd think of her if he knew what had happened over the summer. And then we see uh, uh, the smoking Ms. McPherson uh, find her, and then they talk about why she's watching Kyle. And Olive admits that she hasn't told Kyle what happened yet, but McPherson says you should talk to him and that and tell him that you're the same Olive as you were before. And then meanwhile, Ham, who is the dog that McPherson was 
walking. Don't smoke and walk at the same time. Digs next to a nearby tree and discovers a large bone to chew on, which looks humanoid, but we don't really know. Olive then goes back to her room. She finds Matt sitting on her bed. And Lucy, Olive's roommate, uh, was creeped out by the ghost sounds and asked Maps to stay there and Maps was going to hammer through the wall but then they look out the window and they see those cloaked figures again so they decide to go investigate they head to the old cemetery behind the north hall they hear some hoots of owls then they find the door to the cobblepot crypt which is now opened so they go inside they're hearing some chanting and all of notes that this is the place that the diary map was pointing to so they see three cloaked and masked figures chanting over an altar. And Olive is a little scared of the fact that they are resembling bats. But she wills herself onward, weaving maps to keep watch, which, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Olive grabs Millie's diary and stands up to Pomeline as a wick of flame circles around her. I was trying so hard to figure out where those flames started because... She does knock over a candle, but there's nothing really, I mean, unless it's getting attached to, like, the roots of the tree, if they're really underneath everything. I just wondered how it was starting, but I really think it's a cool page at the end where you just see Olive, and then the background flames everywhere, and Olive says that she is her mother's daughter after all. And so, that's it for the Diary of Millie Jane Cobblepot. <laughs> you first? Oh, I, I did want to talk about the, the diary and what part it plays, I think, with the story. And in the in the first issue, Olive feels like Millie is, in a certain way, a kindred spirit. But in this issue, I thought it a little bit odd that all of a sudden there's this separation between the two of them. And she realizes that, that their lives are very different. And I feel like it, it's a stark change because all of a sudden she's apparently a prisoner under her father's power, which I thought was very dark and disturbing. So did you have any thoughts about that from, I mean, it's not a big point, but it was something that was mentioned in, in that first issue. Well, I did, but um, it's kind of funny because like, I'm, I'm jumping, this is the first time I've ever talked about Gotham Academy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of leaping into the title. Like, yeah. What's this issue? <laughs> it's just kind of bizarre. I noticed, I noticed that too, but I guess I, like, I didn't let it fester my mind a little bit. Mm-hmm. There was sort of like a, I'm just like Millie Jane Cobblepot, and if she won this one, is sort of like, huh? She, well, she didn't. She didn't do this right. Yeah. Um, kind of thing. Um, I, I noticed it, but it didn't like affect my reading one way or another. It's just like, huh? That's interesting. Any thoughts on that, Josh? Um, the Millie Jane Cobblepot thing, you know, uh, like her her relationship with Millie and how she felt, you know, Millie was like her, and then you know, not like her. I, that didn't really, you know, strike me so much. Um, I, I did think that like the book itself took a very weird turn towards the end because. You know, it, it's kind of been this, um, you know, uh, school drama with, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to say occult overturns, but, you know, like, ooh, is the school haunted or something, you know, but like, it just like, it got very, very weird for me at the end when like, you know, um, uh, female Flash Thompson and her friends were all like doing this like occult okay. ceremony. <laughs> I, 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 I don't think I can continue without actually talking about this, this comic book. With Pomeline and Olive? Uh, not the total story, but like Gotham Academy has a title. Oh, okay. Because I I sat down and read uh, the first issue last night, mm-hmm. so I could read this. Because I would be lost if I didn't read that first issue. Yeah. And um, I really like this. I I genuinely genuinely enjoy this. That being said, this is Harry Potter. <laughs> this is this is straight up Harry Potter. I mean, come on. I'm not saying it's a ripoff, but like the the Harry Potter like like similarities, I feel are at least visually are apparent enough that like it's 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 almost it would almost be 
They're making not. Batman into Voldemort, though. Uh, okay, hold, hold on a second there, though. Because is it possible to have, like, a boarding school in a huge mansion with without it visually looking like Harry Potter? Because the people are going to be in uniforms. You know, like any, you know, big building, like, you know, old castle place that looks like a school is going to, like, look like Hogwarts. Is that... It does look like Hogwarts. It looks literally like Hogwarts. I mean, you don't don't have, like, like the turning stairs and, like, you know, the changing pictures. But, like, I mean, McPherson actually kind of reminds me of, like, when I was reading the books back 10 years ago, like, or more than 10 years ago, like, that's kind of how I pictured Professor McGonagall. And then you have, like, like the race guy looking, you know, who's kind of, like, a Snapeish figure. You have, um... uh, You have, uh, the Milo dude... Look, kind kind of resembling like you know every every book's defense of the dark arts teacher. There's a for some reason there's a potions class. <laughs> like I mean I'm not, I'm not saying this as a detriment. I'm not saying it's like you know this is why it sucks. I'm I'm saying that like to me it's it's like something that that I feel somebody's got to bring up. I don't know if you guys brought it up last last episode or not. But no. I, I I don't know enough about the Harry Potter universe other yeah. than like bits and pieces I've seen. I I think I've seen the first movie in theaters and that's like everything else I've just seen pieces of. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I went on the ride at Universal. Because that makes you an expert. So. You, you walk through Hogwarts and you ride yeah, through yeah. it and the characters all talk to you like, oh man, you know, you're here to help us. Hooray for muggles. You know what a muggle is? <laughs> It's a non-powered, like, mortal human or something. Like, like you can't be a wizard if you're a muggle. It's also a slur. <laughs> it is, yeah. I, I've, I've read all the books, I've watched the movies, and honestly, the comparison to Hogwarts had never come into my mind. I, I get more of a sense, to a certain extent, of a more kid-friendly version of Morning Glories, to have this school that the school is playing a part and there's something sinister going on in the school... And and I feel like it's all eternal, where a lot of the Harry Potter stuff was external forces going on. And you're almost making Batman into Voldemort if you go along with the Hogwarts thing, because there's something going on with with the with the mother and yeah. uh, and that history and everything. I, I'd be cautious with that, if only because if you start down that track, I'm afraid that you won't necessarily be able to enjoy it without constantly making references. No, no, no. I, I don't want to like. Uh, I don't know if I get it twisted like that because I was, I, I was devouring these comics last night. I was like, I, I was, I, I was, admittedly, I was like, okay, I better read the first issue. Okay, let's get it over with. Not that I had bad feelings going into it, but like I just had an interest. And then after the first issue, I was like, I gotta read the next issue. Mm-hmm. And I gotta, I gotta read the, ne- the next issue after that. Like, uh, I genuinely enjoyed it. I really like the writing. I really like the writing of um, Olive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel that like it's an interesting story in and of itself. I'm, I think I, I would not I would not feel this way if the artwork wasn't how it was. I'm not saying like you know this Carl Keschel draws like the illustrator for the Harry Potter books. I'm not saying like that necessarily, but like aesthetically, it kind of just evokes. I mean, the, the lights are always dim and stuff. I mean, I'm, not, I'm just making an observation mm-hmm. that I feel that like is self self. It's almost self. It's almost self aware. Um, and I, I don't want I don't want that to be seen as a Derp, 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 this is Hogwarts, this is why I hate it. No, I'm, I'm just saying, like, you know, it, it's almost like having a dark, like, like, like comparing Moon Knight to Batman. It's kind of like that sort mm-hmm. of similarity. Mm-hmm. Fighting evil by moonlight. <laughs> I, think, I think he said Moon Knight, not Moonlight. No, it's Moonlight. It's, it's Moonlight. The, the song's called Moonlight something something. That being said, I, I, I won't Oh, I thought a... you were talking about the Marvel hero, Moon Knight. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, and then he started uh, singing. Oh, okay. Have you made anime references with this comic book? Have I talked about with the art style? 
Well, I mean, like the characters specifically. Yeah, especially. Uh, well, did I talk about? No, I, I think I made mention of the stare. Like that was a very anime thing to do. I don't want to. T- yeah, I don't want to jump on. He you. looks and then psh, you see the the word stare, which I thought was a great moment. I enjoyed that. Well, I mean, yeah, you. I know you've seen Akira. That guy kind of looks like Tetsuo to me. Mm. And um, the the sister uh, maps. Yeah. It's, this is kind of this, this, this reference is something that like the listeners wouldn't know about, but like a couple of months ago, I had like that uh, Skype avatar of a girl. Uh, she she looks just like, or she reminds me just like, um, what the heck is her name? A girl uh, you dated in middle school? Nope. Uh, I love the fact that I'm not the one saying this stuff. Mako from Kill a Kill, which which is yeah. referenced the song we, we played earlier. Uh, like that's the character, like 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 the very hyperactive, like you know, happy sidekick to the to, like yeah. the more solemn main character. That's like uh, that character from Kill a Kill. So I I just took that observation as well yeah i I think yeah i think a lot of the characters have asian flair but i honestly do think that maps and kyle are of asian descent well isn't their last name like like misa gucci yeah so i I should hope that's asian but they all well they all have i think a little bit oh they're very clearly asian yeah well this artwork i mean carl kestrel he drew that teen titans year one Miniseries a couple a few years ago. That's oh. not recognized. Oh yeah, that horrible miniseries. I, <laughs> I don't think it was that bad, but it was certainly questionable. It, it was pretty bad. You've been negative all podcast. Well, I just gave the last book like nine and a half <laughs> out of ten batterings. I just I expect Donovan to be Debbie Donovan, but you you've been real bringing it down. What's my name? And, and I have good stuff Debbie. to say about this book too. Put the gun down, Debbie. I'll, I'll I'll give the reins back to you, so because I haven't, I haven't yeah. t- stealing it. Yeah, no, don't worry about it. Uh, since you brought up maps, I do want to talk about her a little bit because I feel like she's. Well, I wouldn't call this this uh, comic series dark at all because I, I think there is something going on that's dark and sinister. I think it is a lighter aspect to the Batman universe that is much needed, like Batgirl. But I think Maps and her innocence is very much like this bright spot. And I mean, do you have any thoughts about this? Like, she's just always very happy, you know, in the in the food line, waving to all of trying to be with her and and. I hope that something bad doesn't happen that changes her. <laughs> well, that changes her, and then she's, like, super sad. But uh, I don't know. Do you, what do you think about her just being very excited and very different from Olive, who, who's generally morose <laughs> and very calm? She's, she's a, a fun she's character like, to have what, as a sidekick. She's sort of and, you know. called uh, uh, Genki Girl. Basically, she's, she has a lot of energy. Yeah. And she's, she's smiling. And she, she, she's freaking Mako Makanshaku from uh, Kill Kill is funny. But, like, I mean, she... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I would be surprised if she's killed. I mean, in the first issue, no. they kind of like derp into trouble, but, like, it's a very hijinxy. This comic also strays... I mean, these characters feel realistic to me. They don't feel like they're archetypes or their tropes are unrealistic. I mean, even... Uh, what's the bully's name? Palmalava? Palmaline. Palmaline. Yeah, I mean, she's she, she's she's a, she's a word I can't say. But, I mean, um, they, they don't feel... They, they a big meanie. Yeah, big meanie. She is, but I mean, I mean, like, like which I like. I, I really like Olive's character. Like, she's not weepy McTeenager. She's like, you know, she has her own issues, and she feels like she feels real while still feeling young. I mean, this is this this has a quality that I can't exactly describe in words uh, articulately enough as to what makes it so good. But it's very, very intriguing, mm-hmm. and I, I, I'm really so far, I'm really enjoying it. Any thoughts on this Pomeline Olive feud? <laughs> I mean, these I, two I like, I, together. I, I liked it until the last page. The last. Or la- la- oh, the the last scene rather, because you know that 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 was more than one page. With her going down into the, 
it, like it just crypt. brought yeah that that whole thing just brought like a whole nother weird element into it. Well, I, I think. Kind of question... Do you Go think ahead, it's please. uncalled for? Like this weird element, because I feel like there's already been something going on with the North Wing, but then we saw these little culty people going around, and and it seems it, like they have something to do with perhaps this rumor that it is haunted. Well, it's it's one thing if like you know she's a mean girl because she's a mean girl, but now mm-hmm. it's like it has the undertones of okay, maybe she's trying to like you know keep Olive from you know whatever sinister plan she's doing. So mm-hmm. it, it changes the context of you know some of the things and turns it from a like a school drama in, into another thing entirely which you know i i don't hate but mm-hmm. it's i i don't like as much and yeah that's probably my least favorite aspect of the book i think she is a mean girl uh to be honest i feel like she's not intentionally keeping all of away just because she's olive but i think there perhaps is this maybe you know her and heathcliff and whoever the other person is like this elite group of people that have their own thing and she just doesn't want all of a part of that like she doesn't want anyone else a part of it who's not in that group i don't know if it's necessarily getting it's just that all of happened to be there and she saw the map and and you know she's been in that place at, at the right time i kind of question like uh the uniform restrictions on the, on this in this school because <laughs> i guess during classes they're all they're all wearing the skirts and the ties and stuff yeah but they're but not the wearing, same yeah she's wearing a hoodie and like she has like this, these ripped leggings yeah She'd get a green slip where I worked. Yeah, when I was in school, kids like like that would she would, she would get a tap on the butt from the ruler that. Uh, <laughs> what? Are you being serious? I went to a Catholic school. You got oh, okay. Hit? I, I didn't know that, but the girls had to like you know keep their skirts a certain a certain way, and they could not wear ripped they could not wear ripped leggings. They yeah, could wear leggings. No, that's yeah, that's out of dress code. So like I mean I'm I'm just because you know Gotham Academy is so prestigious and the Waynes have done something to it and like but like I'm just I'm just you know. It's just one of those kind of things. No where, like, muggles allowed. If I apply it realistically, it's like you know, yeah. why hasn't um, Doctor Milo or Rachel Ghoul ish looking guy, or, you know, sure. checked her about that? But it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What What do you think? Since we're bringing up those characters, what do you think of the fact that you know we did have a Rachel Ghoul looking guy, though he he looks like he needs a trip to the Lazarus Pit pretty soon. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> the Riddler and uh, and Professor. I'm glad I'm not the only one because I thought, oh well, he's in Batman the Animated Series, but that sure does look like him. What do you think about people that look like these characters? I don't think they're necessarily are them popping up in this book. Um, I'm not okay. sure what's going on. You, you might want to cut this out. Have you read the third issue? No. Is it a big spoiler? What is it? It's not a big spoiler, but, like, the guy is legitimately called Milo. Oh, okay. So, like, I mean, so, like, it's not... I, I don't know if I that guy's I think he, he was named in the... Was he named in the... I'll have to double check. In this issue, I don't think he's named, but, like, they, like later on, like, it's, oh, kid, Milo, make sure to tell the kids to stay away from this door or whatever, and, like... And I don't... <laughs> I mean, like... Because Milo, he, he did appear, like, in the, the Denny O'Neill run in the 70s, that that werewolf issue. So, like, he has appeared in Batman. It's like wondering, like, you know, why are criminals working at the, at the school? But, like, it, it certainly makes it more intriguing. Um, although, with the teachers, there is a, a thing of, like, you know, oh, kids, why aren't, why aren't you interested in learning? This is so fascinating. And, like, I don't know if any – I mean, some, some of these teachers are so wrapped up in their own uh, curriculum mm-hmm. that I, I, I don't know how believable it is. I think that the, that the kids will be as interested as they are. Like, the guys Cicero never said that, but we attribute the quote to him nonetheless. This book is all you need. And the guy's so self-satisfied with it, with this. It's like he's kind of in another world, so that's kind of amusing. Well, except for, I think, McPherson, which I, I think there probably needs to be some sort of faculty member that has a connection with the students. And so that we're not on this, like, Charlie 
Brown universe where we've got these kids. Yeah, exactly. Where we have these kids and then the adults are present, but they're not really interacting with them. And so I think to a certain extent, we have some of these teachers that are just as teachers. But I think McPherson is that perhaps that person that is breaking the plane between faculty and that, which is actually one of my favorite scenes was just her like being an everyday person and trying to hide. She's trying to hide that that. she's smoking and then all of us trying to hide the fact that she's spying on her ex-boyfriend and then just having that that talk yeah that that, that, that felt real to me and i, I that yeah. she was from a teacher to a character mm-hmm. i was very confused in the first issue well actually i was less confused but but in the first issue when you see hammerhead or well hammerhead's his nickname because his name's <laughs> hammersmith and he's the headmaster as yeah, gotcha. uh, as maps points out so I was like, ooh, Ra's al Ghul is like disguised as this guy. <laughs> I and remember when reason... you mentioned it, Don thought you were punking him. Yeah, I said like Ra's al Ghul oh, yeah. runs, the, runs the school. Right? That, that rhymes. And like for some reason, like Bruce Wayne's letting him. So I'm like, okay, what's going on here? But now like I'm less sure because it's like, okay, it, while it's believable that Ra's al Ghul could do something like this, like mm-hmm. I have a hard time believing that like the school would also hire like Edward Nigma and, <laughs> and and all these other people. That's so I'm like, is this just like, you know, Olive's mindscape because she has Batman on the brain that like, uh, you know, she's seen the rogues gallery and the teachers, or is it just like an Easter egg? I mean, I, think, I, yeah. I did notice a Harriet, a Miss Harriet yeah, yeah. who yeah, looked like Anne Harriet. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, I think they are Easter eggs, in my opinion. I think it's a way to keep Gotham Academy in the Batman family, but separated, because I, this is something I talked about with Dustin, the fact that I love that it's in the family, you know, and, and Bruce Wayne pops up occasionally, but it's very separated. You know, and, and I like having this cast of character that's not necessarily related to Batman, and I think Olive is the only person that is able to bridge that gap. But I think, like, Leviathan, where we saw the pop singers being the faculty, I think this is just a cute <laughs> way, a cute way of, like, having Batman be present, but without really shoving himself into this storyline. I agree, because, like, I remember listening to the comic cast, you guys talking about this. The way that the comics have been so far in the New 52, it's been like, you know, Batman this, Batman that, everything... Mm-hmm. Batman's related to everything. This is n- very close to like being its its own separate thing. But the Batman references I feel are interesting and not uh, not intrusive. It's like you know they're not trying to it's like ooh this is Batman related thing. I mean I don't I, I really don't know if anybody else younger than us would recognize who Milo could be. Yeah. Even that's a nice reference because it, it's not like he's not the Joker. He's not somebody that like yeah. you know who that is. Mm-hmm. So like it they're, they're doing this very smart where like the references are intriguing they're not in the way the storytelling they're not they're not trying they're not an advertisement for the book and because it is in gotham it, it makes sense that they are there and like you know the last issue bruce wayne's uh inclusion made sense and like but it's still its own thing these characters are still there these characters can move from gotham they would still be interesting so like i think that like the balance is perfect and really welcome for this kind of a uh, new era of bat books yeah one thing i i have to say about all of is She's just so mysterious, and it's something that I really think uh, distinguishes itself as a book from other books. Because I just think about, you know, Spider-Man, Peter Parker, like his life is all over the pages. Like, you know who he is, but it's very hard to tell who Olive is. Like, you know very little about her besides interactions. Like, I think McPherson was a big scene to have. I think her connection with Millie and, and learning about her through Millie's diary is a big thing and, and whatever these flashbacks are. But it's very interesting to have the main character 
character of a book be so mysterious and not know very much about her? And that's something that really draws me to this book and, and reading about it. Um, any, yes. any thoughts on that? <laughs> well, then there's the mystery of her, of what happened over, yeah, the, over summer the summer, too. Yeah. Because they constantly refer to the summer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and Batman kind of, you know, gives her these looks every time yeah. he sees her, like. There's um, an equal hatred on both sides. I, I don't know if he hates her. I think, well, you know, Bat- yeah. Batman can't look at someone without, like, it being or a look least, of hate. Well, Bruce Wayne, I think, had, he's like, Olive. I mean, when he saw her. Like, his face dropped. <laughs> notably, I know who she notably. is. So, I, I wonder, I don't know. It's a very interesting relationship, yeah, between those two. Well, for the, like, you know, like, like Batman's the legend. He's, like, you know, in Gotham, and no one realizes any contact with him. But, like, when he shows up, there's a... We don't know what what it is between between Batman and Olive. And that's really kind of. I mean, obviously, this takes place after Batman Eternal, where there's a crazy time skip. But like, oh, yeah. that that really that's an interesting hook for the show for the show, the book that um, it, it, it's a really nice balancing act, I think. Mm-hmm. And and just the fact that references made to her mother more in this one, and 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 I think it's not too crazy to say that. There may have been some mental instability there just with how Pumline speaks and things like that. So I wonder if she's some sort of – she did something bad that Batman came after her and now she's gone. Maybe that's why she thinks that all adults are Arkham people because, like, her mom was an Arkham person. So she – when she visited – what is Riddler an Arkham – so Riddler's an Arkham. Raish has never probably ever been imprisoned. Uh, uh, Where would Milo well, go? I don't. Do you really think Milo would go in Arkham? I could see him as a Blackgate person. It could be Black Blackgate, although he might be insane. I don't know. I mean, if you want to get nitpicky, at the very end of Resurrection of Rachel Ghoul, and uh, <laughs> that man, that man tricked Rach to being in Arkham, but that's not, that was before New How 52. How did he trick him to be um, in there? <laughs> Ooh, piece of candy. Ooh, piece of candy. <laughs> Ooh, piece of candy. <laughs> Oh, um, like, he changed his name and stuff like that. But like, I mean, I think typically Brace is never captured. Um, I don't. I mean, we're not. We're not really thinking that that guy's Riddler, is he? Oh no, his name uh, no. is I'm no. just oh, saying. Oh my gosh. That, no, his thought was that if her mother was in Arkham Asylum for a stay, a short sabbatical, then if Olive went to visit, then she would have seen these other people in Arkham, and so she's just sort of transferring one to the other. That was his thought. Which I don't know if he was being. Maybe that's how she's Facetious dealing with or her not, psychic. but I thought, well, yeah, that no, I'm, I'm just throwing different no, theories against sure. the wall. Yeah, the food again. I'm just astounded with the kind of food that they have. This is just a detail, but you know, last time they had like all of these really amazing things, and I'm looking through their different foods <laughs> again, which I love that they take a panel to show the different stuff. But I just thought, man, if only. Uh, and and I loved the poster. <laughs> There was another fun poster in issue one. I don't remember. What, but this one was, isn't it Byronic? Like Byron? Like, what, what would so-and-so do? Yes. Yeah. So I, I love that. Just that they're artsy and, and intelligent people, perhaps. Isn't it Byronic? Or when they graduate, they're all <laughs> yeah. going to move to Burnside and hang out with Frankie. Maybe they will. <laughs> I also feel like the kid harassing Olive, if you look back to him because he has sunglasses on, reminds me of a younger Daredevil, a younger Matt Murdock. Yeah. He looks like Matt Murdock. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and I feel like since he did something to her in the last issue, he could just be a jerk. Or I almost wonder if there's some sort of like he has feelings for Olive. I don't really know. But right now, I think we're all waiting for Olive and Kyle he, to make he's up. He's the dashing rogue, and uh-huh. Kyle's the good boy, and the she's going to be torn says. between the two of them. The dashing rogue. Okay, he did. He was selling um, some fireworks on the side in the previous issue. Yeah, like the love triangle with you know you, Kevin, and Dawn. Is that still going on? I had. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's a quadrangle now because Josh is in it. That's right. Yeah, we, we sang Frozen last year. We did, yes. I had to think about that. So I, I guess I'd be the Hans in whatever triangle, quadrangles going on. <laughs> Probably. Oh, Lord. Uh, well, I, I think that's all I have to say about it. I'm just interested. I mean, it's just, it's it's a mystery. I, th- there's a lot of stuff going on, and uh, it's coming together. I love that final scene, like I said, just with the flames around her. I thought it was beautifully um, illustrated there and just loved that. Very demonic. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or I am. I didn't think about it like that, but I was just like, oh, wow, look at these flames. And she's got this book, and I am my mother's daughter, and you just wonder what's going on. So uh, Dustin came up with the idea of having diplomas being the rating system for this one. So I'm going <laughs> to keep with that. So out of 10 diplomas, what would you give Gotham Academy number two? I really, really like the first issue, and I heard great things about it, and I enjoyed that. I don't know if I like this as much, but that does, that's not saying a whole lot because I really mm-hmm. enjoyed the story. I'll give this I'll give this an eight out of ten uh, diplomas. Siete out of Diaz diplomas, which is seven out of ten for the yes. non Spanish speakers. For the non Spanish Siete or Diaz diplomas, por favor. Yeah. Why not? Okay. <laughs> uh, and, Did you uh, just ask for diplomas, please? I'll give it Octo X Decam. Sorry, I no, okay, it's Latin. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what diplomas mean. Now be. Klingon. <laughs> Now cling on, yes, and then we'll get Michael Bailey. We should put Michael Bailey on the phone. Hey, I can't speak Klingon. I give it eight out of ten diplomas as well. Yeah, I really like that first one. I gave it ten out of ten, and I think while this is still a strong issue, perhaps not as as strong as that first one, and and just more mysteries. So we gotta hopefully. I mean, I'm still interested in learning about the mysteries. So. We're good there. Well, on to... Oh, I have something to say about this title before we move on. About which Gotham is Academy? That, about Gotham Academy. Mm-hmm. Just as a whole, that when I read the first issue, I was very, very confused because I was under the misconception <laughs> that, like... I th- th- this was coming out the same time as Arkham Manor, so I confused the two, oh, thinking that, like, the yeah. Academy was, like, in Wayne Manor, so uh-huh. I was very confused, like... How could this place have been open for so long if it's supposed to be in Wayne Manor and like what's going on? Like why did Bruce like why is Bruce Lane a bunch of school children run around his house? And I was trying to follow the issue and I didn't enjoy it as much, basically on first read, but I picked it I reread the first issue after you and Dustin covered it um on BTO and rereading it, I really liked it a lot, and I'm now subscribed to it on Comixology. So and enjoying the series based on your recommendation. I'm glad to hear that. And, and speaking of Gotham Manor, I, I do recommend Arkham that, Manor. What did I say? You said Gotham Manor. <laughs> Sorry. I apologize. You and I your hobbit fingernails. Uh, but since Josh brought up Arkham Manor, I do really actually recommend picking those up. The first two issues are out. And Gotham by Gaslight, which if you, had lis- if you listen to the Batman universe, you will know that I picked Wait, Gotham by Gaslight. Sorry, I'm getting yeah, that's weird. A, that's a issue, right? <laughs> Get confused. That Batman Gaslight. Is, is right? that the Jim? The um. Gotham the by Col- Midnight. Gotham. Yeah, by I, I read the first issue of that. That was that was fun. A, yes. A, you know, a, a little outside of my wheelhouse with yeah. all the occult stuff. It is stuff, supernatural. But fun. Yeah, yeah. But it, I had super low expectations. I thought, oh no, because <laughs> this is just going to be like the Eternal and all of those Eternal ones issues that have been taking place in Arkham Asylum were so confusing for me because they would do one issue and then there'd be like five issues and then they'd come back to it and all this weird stuff, Joker's daughter. And so I thought, oh no, it's the same creative team. But I was, I loved it. I loved it. And and it's just what I wanted with you know, beat cops. Based 
basically, I mean, there is a nun there that pops up and everything. Of course, you have this respecter. But, you know, be cops and and doing this, investigating supernatural stuff. And and I really like the first issue. I'm hoping that the second issue will be be as good. But definitely check those out. I don't really recommend a lot of stuff here. Next up, we have Chris and his review for Batman 66. Hey, thanks, Stella. I appreciate you letting me give you a little break. Hi, everybody. Welcome once again to the Batman 66 review segment. I'm glad to be with you today. Thanks for downloading. And as always, thanks for not fast-forwarding. I'm Chris, and this is the segment where I review the Batman 66 titles. I'll start with Batman 66, number 17, cover dated January 2015. Our story this issue is entitled The Osiris Virus, written by Jeff Parker and art by Scott Kowalczuk. The cover art was provided once again by Michael and Laura Allred, and the contents were originally released in download format. Our story opens with Professor William Omaha McElroy, now a former Yale professor, walking the grounds of his new school, Harvard. Wasting no time, we only get to page two, when an errant croquet ball strikes McElroy's head, and he reverts once again into King Tut. Meanwhile, back in Gotham City, we find Batman and Robin trapped with their heads sticking out of a giant book, and about to be stomped on by the Bookworm, operating a giant Emily Bronte-saurus robot. Before our heroes are finished off, the robot explodes as a previously tossed batarang had jammed the robot's escape valve. Chief O'Hara and Commissioner Gordon arrive to take the bookworm into custody and inform our heroes of the tragic mishap at the Ivy League school, all but assuring them that they'll soon have to contend with King Tut. King Tut quickly has assembled a henchman, a maul, and a plan, releasing the Osiris virus in gas form upon Gotham City making people living zombies, and using his new hot rod, the Sarcarfagus, to do it. The next day, while the dynamic duo take in Batburgers at Dunbar's drive-in, the commissioner summons them on the hotline to the cemetery, where King Tut has been gassing the citizens. Upon arriving, Batman and Robin, wearing gas masks as a precaution, are surrounded by green-skinned infected citizens and backed into a deep, open grave, and then they have dirt shoveled upon them. Meanwhile, King Tut has infected Chief O'Hara and meets with Mayor Linseed and Commissioner Gordon when suddenly Batman and Robin arrive in the Batmobile to capture King Tut and tell Tut they managed to dig themselves out once the zombies had left them and that the Osiris virus was only temporary, as it can't survive when its hosts are subjected to sunlight. Canadian artist Scott Kowalczuk stated on his website that he had always dreamed of doing the artwork on a Batman 66 story, and he makes the most of this opportunity. He was a nice change of pace, and I hope he returns soon to do another story with his unique style. Kowalczyk also did the colors, and he sure took advantage of that as he used deep array of hues here. Writer Jeff Parker seemed to have fun himself. There were some nice touches here, inclusions of signs and tombstones referring to other dead characters like Boston Brand, the dead man, and Jim Craddock, the gentleman ghost. Parker really captured the voice of King Tut as well with his exclamations. I think this is the second use of Dunbar's drive-in venue in the comic book series, which was first seen in part one of the Clock King episode on the 66 TV series. Now over on the TBU website, Ryan Blair gave the digital release final chapter three and a half out of five. I'm giving Batman 66, number 17, eight out of ten bats. Moving over to Batman 66 meets the Green Hornet, number six, the final chapter is entitled The End of Crime's Tether and was written by Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman, with art by Ty Templeton. The cover art was provided by Alex Ross. You may recall, when we last left, Batman and the Green Hornet were trying to shoot a bomb out of the sky before it crashed. 
Before Batman could shoot it with his bazooka, a parachute popped out from behind, and the bomb nose cone opened, releasing hundreds of Italian postage stamps. Both heroes take the clue to mean Franco Bolo, which in Italian means postage stamp. But it's also the name of the man who's been at the center of this whole adventure from the very beginning and figured to be the target of the villains now. Our heroes then race to Polo's penthouse, do a bad climb up the side of the building, and were treated to a window cameo by Richard Nixon, of all people. Upon arriving at the penthouse, Robin finds a ransom note glued to the wall, demanding $5 million to be delivered to a runway at Gotham International Airport. The authorities are already there, and they're limited in its approach, as the denoted plane is surrounded by General Gum's glue. Our heroes use a bat hovercraft to get past the barrier, and a bat fight ensues. The heroes board the plane and find a bound and gag Franco Bolo attached to a time bomb and take it out by spraying and encasing the bomb in glue as the villains manage to escape. Presently, at Gotham City Police Headquarters, Bolo says he'll drop his $20 million lawsuits, but still demands $3 million each from Gotham City and Green Hornet City to cover the loss of his fossils and coins. Batman and the Green Hornet convince the cities to agree. Later, at the villain's lair, we see Franco Bolo was really General Gum in disguise, and that the real Bolo is in Egypt. The four heroes burst in to the shock of the Joker and General Gum, as their plan was seemingly foolproof. However, Robin told up what tripped up General Gum. It was back at police headquarters he said the word Bombo, which means bumblebee, and not Bamba, which led the senior heroes to realize that he was an imposter. A short fight follows with our heroes victorious, Green Hornet and Kato departing, and Batman wondering if the next time they encounter the Green Hornet and Kato, will it be as friend or foe? Whew, I only wish the previous two issues had so much action. While this proved to be a decent conclusion, and we got a nice twist with General Gum posing as Franco Bolo, I had hoped the series overall had been as gratifying. As I stated in previous podcasts, I thought that this story could have been compacted in perhaps a four-issue miniseries, not six. For this single issue alone, a great cover by Alex Ross and decent artwork and writing, I'm giving Batman 66 meets the Green Hornet number six, eight out of ten bats. If I had to grade the series again overall, I'd give it a very generous six out of ten. Next, over to Batman 66, The Lost Episode. The story is entitled The Two-Way Crimes of Two-Face, and is written by Len Wein, with a, based on the treatment by Harlan Ellison. Pencils were by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, and inks by Joe Prado. Our story opens at Northby's Auction House, where Two-Face strikes and steals a near-complete set of Chang Dynasty blue porcelain glazes. Only return it, now complete, via two St. Bernards and a wagon after Batman and Robin arrive on the scene. Batman deduces that Two-Face must have been compelled to return the items as the result of a coin toss on whether to keep the items. Back in the Batcave trophy area, the dynamic duo recall Two-Face's origin and how he was District Attorney Harvey Dent and had acid thrown on the side of his face by Ma Barra's Lucky Maroney. With two potential targets now, our heroes decide to split up and Batman finds Two-Face and his henchmen departing in a racetrack with, which had a $200,000 purse. After an intense vehicle chase, Batman tracks the baddies to a decommissioned observatory. Shots are fired, a fight ensues, and a coin toss with the coin landing on the edge until Robin arrives and slips on spent shell casings and crashes into Batman, allowing Two-Face and his henchmen to escape. 
Two-Face then, somehow, manages to leave Batman and Robin and Clueless to where he'll strike next on the Bat Radio, stealing the jewel tiaras from visiting twin princesses after they arrive by boat. Two-Face strikes successfully and makes his getaway in a high-speed catamaran, and the dynamic duo give pursuit in the Batcopter. The catamaran goes into a cave, and Batman puts on a rebreather and dives off the Batcopter in after them. Batman finds Two-Face's new hideout, a docked old schooner ship. Batman fights Two-Face's henchmen, but is waylaid from behind and knocked out. Batman revives and finds himself bound to a chair on the ship's deck with a sword suspended above him. Before Two-Face can cut loose the sword, Batman reminds Two-Face to flip his coin to decide his fate. The coin flip results in the coin landing on its edge for a second time, and after Batman dispenses with his henchmen, Two-Face surrenders. Back at Stately Wayne Manor, home of millionaire Bruce Wayne and his youthful ward, Dick Grayson, Bruce explains to Dick and Alfred that he had planted a weighted duplicate trick coin in Two-Face's pocket during the fight. The End Okay, I was greatly anticipating this book and had such high hopes and curiosity, especially with the creative teams involved. I was a bit let down and disappointed across the board. While Alex Ross has always turned in spectacular covers, I was not blown away by this one here. Two-Face seemed to be slumped on the sofa looking a bit like Al Bundy here. While I like Jose Luis Garcia Lopez's interior art and hope he does more projects in the future, I just didn't want the extra just-pencil pages here. It felt padded. And worst of all, the $9.99 price point. I don't know the overall sales for this book, but my local comic shop seemed to only have the copy that I pre-ordered, and no copies were put on the shelf for sale. I thought the book could have done a better job offering a hit of insight as to why this episode did not air, or at least explain why they didn't bother offering any insight at all, and instead referred the reader to a separate Harlan Ellison work as to the account of why this episode did not air. I subsequently wondered myself and researched it. I will say there is at least one account online, and perhaps DC played it very safe by not shedding any light on it. The book does show us the original Harlan Ellison treatment in its text form, and it's interesting to see how Len Wein tweaked and changed a bit, parts that are very faithful versus just the slight subtle changes. Ellison appears to spell Moroni with a Y instead of an I in the treatment, and whether this was an unconscious error or not, it was not corrected. Still, Ellison knows the source material, is respectable and faithful of it, and we have an above-decent plot with an ambitious scope. Perhaps the ambitious scope, though, could have presented the show's producers with some very high-budgeting challenges. I doubt they would have added trophy to the existing Batcave set. That could have easily been written out, but as a fan, I would have loved to have seen the trophy area in that Batcave and on the 66 series. Other potential challenges to the shoot are an elaborate vehicular chase. Yes, now granted, the 66 series had its share of car chase scenes. Three of the more lengthier ones that I can recall offhand uh, are in the False Face episodes, one with Penguin stealing the Batmobile, and one with Joker in the Zodiac Crimes three-parter. Also, they wanted a set to look like an underground cave location large enough to at least partly depict a schooner and a frogman costume for Batman. Again, perhaps a shortcut could have been done there with Batman just with a rebreather and the use of a Batcopter. I suspect existing shot stock footage could have been shown for that. Further, uh, was it just me or was there no cliffhanger in the middle of the story? Maybe the coin toss? But Batman didn't seem to be any of the traditional capture and peril towards until the end of the story. 
we did a very good job of taking Ellenson's idea and making a very good Batman story, if not a very good Batman 66 story. I'm not sure if any artist can capture the Silver Age house style of Batman today, but again, I did like Garcia Lopez's artwork. I go back to the price point, though, and weigh in my enjoyment level. As such, I'm giving Batman 66 Lost Episode only 5 out of 10 bats. And finally, I'm compelled to comment on the release of the Batman 66 TV series on DVD. I know the price for the entire series has been criticized for being way too high, but between retail outlets or online or TV offers from Batman on DVD, getting the series all at once or by season, there are different price point options for everyone. I went with the TV offer for the complete series as I like the packaging and buying options better, plus there was an inclusion of a copy of a script, and I only received it within a few days. It was well under a week. The size of the box is a bit of a concern, fitting it with the rest of my DVDs, but overall I am very, very happy with it. The remastering is gorgeous. I had some concerns with some particular episodes in the TV reruns that I have seen. There's a tune that Leslie Gore sings in the second part of her Catwoman episode appearance that I have not seen in reruns for years, and here it is included in the box set. Granted, this may not be everyone's Batman cup of tea, but the series did have its charm, and for many, including myself, led me to explore the history of Batman and the comic books. Before I go, I would like to thank all of you listeners for a sincere and happy holidays. I hope 2015 will be a great year. Thank you for your continued listening and support. What bookish villain will Batgirl assist Batman with in the next issue of Batman 66? What pointed villain is said to also appear as well in the next issue? What plans does Stella have in store for 2015? These and other curious questions to be answered next time. Same Stella time, same Stella sight. Do you have any literature recommendations? You know what, uh... I was trying to think of like like the last book I read. And the last book I read was Gone Girl. Uh oh. The amazing Amy. <laughs> Hold on. It's my just, life. Let me just walk over because I don't think uh, by Jillian Flynn. Yep. It's it's kind of an interesting story. I won't take up too much of your time, but <laughs> on my own esteem, I I was like, well, this this movie is getting uh, a lot of hype when yep. it's coming out. I think I'll go to my local Barnes and Noble and pick up the book. Uh-huh. So. I got the book, and then I texted Stella saying, Hey, Stella, have you read slash are going to see Gone Girl? And I forget what she said at the time. Yeah. So I was going to, I started reading that. And at the same time, Josh had seen the movie. Yep. So for like a month, a couple months ago, we, we were all three of us were sort of in a Gone Girl phase. Um, and seeing that, that was the last one. And I legitimately enjoyed the book. I don't know how you guys thought. But like, because um, oh, yeah, I saw it. Sure. Read it before the movie. Uh-huh. It's uh, without without spoiling the, like you know the second half of the book. It's about uh, a dude who's under um, <laughs> suspicion after his wife goes missing, and he he's trying to find her. But people are beginning to think that maybe he did something to her. Mm-hmm. And if obviously this is an inspiration for the Gone Girl film starring Ben Affleck yeah. and Rosamund Pike, um, which I actually I, I enjoy that movie too. I'm oh, sorry. AKA Miranda Frost. Miranda Frost, AKA the lawyer from Jack Reacher. <gasps> uh, yeah. And um, I, I, the book I really liked because I, I thought by the end of it, it got really, really crazy. And you got yeah. into these really psychos' heads, and I really enjoyed it. So um, yeah. I'm sorry I, I could not recommend uh, a Haruki Murakami book again because oh, I'm not no. starting. You're so uplifting and happy. And there is a connection to, ba- to Batman. Oh, my Bat- gosh. Jacob, this is for you. Let's go. What, what do you mean? This isn't even obscure. I okay. Just- bo- <laughs> both- <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> Both Batman and Nightwing are in this. Yeah, because uh, 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 what's, what's Ben Affleck is going to be Batman and and Donna Justice and uh-huh. Neil Patrick Harris was Nightwing in uh, Under the Red Hood. Under the Red Hood. You know, we That's have better um, than your weird sandwich analogy. <laughs> we finish each other sandwiches. That's yes. what I was going to say. <laughs> I'll recommend it. Yeah, Gone Girl by Jillian Flynn. And next time I'll recommend uh, another Hurricane Murakami book because I've not started his latest one. And what's nice, of, I really enjoyed almost reading that all together. Like all three of us were almost reading it at the same time. I know that Josh read it very quickly. And, and I, Don, you may have finished it first. And then Josh, when he was going over to L.A. And then I was scurrying to keep up because I think I was trying to finish Count of Monte Cristo before I started that. You guys both saw the movie before I did. Mm-mm, no. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I, I read the book first, which I think the book, I enjoyed the book more than the movie, just the fact that you really did get inside their heads, and the movie can only do that so much. But Yes. Yeah. Josh, you have a recommendation? <laughs> recommendation? I was going to recommend Gone Girl. Um... Were you really? <laughs> Were you really, or is, are you joking? Awesome. No, I'm not joking. I was going to. But um, I've been so busy that I have not had much time to do um, a lot of reading because of work outside of comics and stuff. However, say what? Do you read to the kids? Am I going to recommend the Minecraft book I've been reading them? (laughs) 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 Well, let let me see. It's on my Kindle. It's like, I always do a chapter of this book before the kids go to bed. It is called, because I I, got to find the exact name. Is it a how-to manual? No, it's, no, it's, it's a chapter. How to read Dr. Seuss for Dummies. It's called, Invasion of the Overworld, book one in the Game Night 99 series by Mark <laughs> Cheverton. It's about this kid who, um, do you know what, do you know what trolling is and griefing is? I know what trolling is. Okay, I do it griefing, all the time. Yeah, griefing it. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. You do. <laughs> April Fool's indeed. Uh, griefing is when you go into someone's Minecraft world and you destroy their stuff. You're a griefer. What in the um, world? Not, I not to, super angry. Yeah. yeah. It, it, <laughs> look it up on YouTube. It's a whole thing and kids get angry. But, um, okay. like, okay, for those of you, you know, who um, <laughs> who listen to BTO who don't know this, Minecraft is this, like, huge phenomenon um, among, you know, young children nowadays. And, and and there's adults who enjoy it a lot, too. But, like, it is it is like a religion to these kids, and it's a computer game where you build stuff. So this book is um, it's about um, a griefer and a troller who's a 12-year-old boy who gets sucked into Minecraft. And he learns, you know, the error of his ways that griefing and trolling is bad because now, you know, he – He's like he he's seen the villagers whose villages he's burned down, oh and he realizes that there are people too with feelings, and he has to help them fight the evil, you know, Minecraft mobs. Is trolling in Minecraft different than trolling on Facebook? Well, I mean, trolling in general is just tricking someone for the purpose of you know your own amusement and their own embarrassment or anger. <laughs> so, okay, yeah, I actually had two students make a Minecraft Roman house for their project. It was very elaborate. The kids have all been obsessed with it. And it's been like, I, I had to learn it it's just to like for the purposes of work because otherwise like it's, I, I would have been completely lost. And it's actually been a really, really helpful like on the job tool, especially when I have to like work with a new family. If I tell mm-hmm. the kids I know Minecraft, like that's like a huge barrier, like broken down. Broken right away. That's very yeah. cool. 
And we went to Minecon last year with oh, one right. of the families yeah. I work with. Uh-huh. We had we had a panel where where the video didn't work, oh, and I was yeah. super embarrassed. And it's one of my most embarrassing convention <laughs> experiences. I haven't trolled you about that, luckily. Um, how would you? <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Oh, how would I troll? I don't know. Remember that time? I wouldn't. But that's that's not trolling. That's teasing. <laughs> like, I was, I, usually when you troll someone, you like trick them, like oh. or something. It. <laughs> Maybe I haven't trolled anyone at all then. What? I don't know. I mean, I'm <laughs> <laughs> done. What are you, you saying? You, you, well, like, like in the uh, in the episode, like the Punisher episode we did this week. Yeah. Like, like oh, at one point, mom? you killed your mom, <laughs> oh, and then at one point, like you know, like well, I know how what it's what it's like to get shot by a gun, bang, bang, pow, pow, and I was just horrified. I didn't say shot by a gun. I said I know what it's like to shoot a high powered gun. Oh, I thought you, I thought you said both. I thought you said one oh, and the other. Oh no, I was being serious. I shot a shotgun. And a couple, a, a big Russian rifle and a, an American rifle. So it was, uh, what? That scares me. <laughs> <laughs> I shot this gun and this gun, and I know how to use this this weapon, and I can kill anybody I want. Here's the thing. When the zombie apocalypse happens, you're going to want to call my number. <laughs> I'll be leading the zombie apocalypse. I don't know what that means. You'll be so leading have... it? You're going to be a zombie? Okay, <laughs> well, I read a book that I won't recommend. Oh, I had one more literature recommendation. Oh, oh I apologize, Greeny. Yeah. Uh, so, so this one is also uh, is? very, very off the beaten path. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, this is also computer game related, but uh-huh. um, there's a website called GOG. I'm not sure what they stand for. I think it's like Galaxy of Games. Okay. And I, I promise this relates to my literature recommendation. <laughs> okay. Um, you basically like buy computer games on them and like sometimes it's old licensed games and at the end of October they were re-releasing two games from the 90s that were very very near and dear to my heart called X-Wing and TIE Fighter and the re-release like was so big that it trended on Facebook and like I think it was like their biggest sellers. So, and X-Wing was just a fun flight simulator with like over a hundred Star Wars missions that I used to play when I was a kid, and now he's playing them again. But the thing is, those missions are really, really hard for an old game. So there's a strategy guide called X-Wing Collector CD-ROM Official Strategy Guide by, I think it's Russell DiMaria or David Westman. Mm -hmm. Um, It's one of the two, I forget which. But the thing about this, it's not just a strategy guide. It's like part novel, part strategy guide. And this was a cool thing that did in the 90s. Instead of telling you how to beat the level... Like, between each of the missions, the character from the game, Keon Farlander, he, like, tells his story about, you know, how he came to join the Rebel Alliance and the different people that he met. And then when it gets to the missions and it's telling you how to beat the missions, instead of saying, you know, press this button and do this, it 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 gives you the perspective as if it's, like, his report to his superiors. Like, first I did this thing, then that thing. So instead of a strategy guide, it's like a whole big novel. And um, I had to order it again from Amazon because my original copy from when I was a kid was, like, completely demolished. So that helped me play the game. So those are two books that I've been devouring since I have since Gone Girl. Okay. Thank you. I recently read Great Expectations by Charles Dickens. However, I did not really care for it. Uh, and I think part of the reason is that I really like David Copperfield, and I saw too much of a similarity between young David and, and Pip. So to be honest, I would recommend David Copperfield before I would recommend Great Expectations. But something that I have read and I am currently reading 
The first thing is a comedy by William Shakespeare called Hamlet. Wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it's a, it's a, it's, it's certainly a tragedy. I think it even says in the subtitle, like, Tragedy of the Prince of Denmark. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's very interesting because I, I feel like I've mentioned that I had watched Sons of Anarchy. I kind of marathoned it seasons one through five. I guess that we're on the sixth. And the sixth and final season just ended uh, with a very spectacular uh, finale, and I cried. But that is loosely based on Hamlet, and Hamlet's just really about this young prince and his uncle is now his father and he has <laughs> uncle dad <laughs> That's, uh, yeah. basically you know he's visited by the the ghost of his father and uh he decides to get revenge i don't really want to spoil a lot of the stuff that goes on but you it's know I've centuries of... old what it's I... centuries old and everyone studies it in school what are you gonna spoil? i don't want to spoil it but it's a Shakespeare I, play. The only thing to spoil is, like, how many characters live, which is usually, like, less not, than three. Not many of them. Not many of them. I, yeah, I guess it's taken me too long. Maybe, perhaps I should have read that a while back. But I, I finally did, and it was glorious. I, I thought it was very beautiful, and I, I enjoyed it. Many, many quotations that you see dotted around from Shakespeare have come from that very one. I loved the great... Grave Digger scene, I think that was one of my favorites. Just That was the comedic portion right there. I did watch the uh, Ethan Hawke version because it was on someone's With Eartha Kitt. Yes, she does pop up on the radio. That was the connection. That was very bizarre. I was trying to remember where that was coming from. But a, a kind friend has let me borrow his Netflix for that purpose. And so I watched it. But uh, because that was a modern adaptation... I would like to see either the Kenneth Brano one or the Mel Gibson one. But I am currently reading Othello. I was trying to read the last act today, but I am not there. There was a duel in the street, and that's where I am. And all the while, I thought Lady Macbeth was perhaps the worst villain that you know I've seen and one of my favorite villains. But Iago is a terrible, terrible person. And um, I actually don't like him. It's not like a villain that I like to hate, which is Lady Macbeth, I would feel. But Iago is terrible terrible guy, but I'm really enjoying that as well. I hate that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just awesome, awesome stuff. I think uh, it's been a while since I've read Shakespeare, and I I don't think you can get enough of him, certainly. There are just wonderful things. And next you're going to do Hamlet, too. I'm not watching that stuff. (laughs) I'll watch it. I've never seen it. Are you joking? I've never heard of it. Yeah, (laughs) you don't want to hear about it. (laughs) Hamlet uses time travel to save Ophelia from drowning and finally proposes to her. Anywho, send any questions or comments to backworldoracle at gmail.com. Like the show on Facebook or follow it on Twitter at backworldoracle. And, of course, like the Batman universe on Facebook as well. Got to mention that. It's in my contract. Once again, thanks to MileHighComics.com and Tweaked Audio for sponsoring Backworld Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Remember, this is part one of the fifth anniversary, so you've got... Uh, an hour or so more of an enjoyment to go. This episode has actually gone on longer than I thought it would, to be Sorry. honest. No, that's okay. When the annual... Three books. I wanted there to be more discussion about the annual, and so when it ended, I was very disappointed. I'm like, oh, no, is this? I'm not feeling this episode. What's going on? But then when we got into Batgirl, and got, I think it finally came together. Maybe we just needed to... <laughs> well, what would we have that's... said with the annual? I'm sorry <laughs> I let you down. I No, it's okay. I just... Maybe we just need to get warmed up. I didn't think it was very good, so... <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, good. Man. well, the annual did suck, and it had continuity errors. Yeah, we sure did well, cover that. We can have fun to 
break it apart. I don't know. Should we take this time? I guess, yeah, take this time now to mention other shows that, that you are on because certainly um, I'd love to, to promote your things and support you guys. So, Don, what else can we hear your dulcet tones on? Oh, that's, that's considerate. Um, <laughs> I do the Next Dimension, a Dragon Ball Z podcast. And it's funny because like, this is the fifth anniversary of Backworld at Oracle. This month marks the third anniversary of my show. Uh, I say my show. Uh, I do it with Jesse Garrett. We're going to be having not only our December episode, but also a third anniversary special, which may or may not be. I hope it will be. It'll be out by the time this episode you're listening to. That's exciting. It, Soon it's, to be Mr. Jesse Garrett, right? <laughs> <laughs> soon to be, I'm not, I'm not going to say April's last name but yeah soon, soon to be uh, Mr. Uh, taking off the market Jesse Garrett he's a good man I, I, really, I really appreciate his friendship uh, a clone of this episode a clone of this show in terms of this episode it can be found on the Gotham Chronicle where I, with these two people we talk about the Gotham TV series although it's on a hiatus, a hiatus as well as the show is but you can find back episodes on that on the BatmanUniverse.net I also reviewed the Batgirl title on the BatmanUniverse.net. I have recently uh, started my amateur career as a freelance writer at the Hooded Utilitarian, where you can find my first essay where I compare Superman to Atticus Finch. Uh, you can find a lot of really, really, really great written articles and essays on that website, the thehoodedutilitarian.com. Uh, I also am on spidey-dude.com on the Clone Saga Chronicles podcast, where we talk about the much maligned Clone Saga, which comes out irregularly. And I do believe that is it. I host my podcast called From A to Z, an alphabet podcast, where each episode we cover a different letter of the alphabet. Next month is going to be really exciting because it's L-M-N-O-P month. So uh, we're going to be covering, you know, those very controversial letters of the alphabets. Why are they uh, controversial? Well, you know, there's the pronunciation. Because them together. Ella. Yes. Emma. L-M-N-O-P, Yeah. You said you were. You can discuss it because you're coming on for the O episode, right, Stella? Yeah. Okay. Um, also, uh, soaps and suds, a laundry detergent. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the wheels of this bus are. The wheels of this bus have fallen off. <laughs> uh, no, no. Um, I mean, just most of the podcasts that Don have mentioned. Um, those two podcasts are fake. Don't try and find them. And if you do try and find, don't them, try to find any of Donovan's podcasts. <laughs> No, the ones that I just said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, and for crying out loud, why would anyone look up an alphabet podcast? Like, ooh, if anyone listening to this is like, wow, these sound like fun things, I would really love to listen to them. You know, what is wrong with you? I'm Jacob? You, yeah, it you probably would yeah. be Jacob because he just yeah, Jacob, you hear... don't want to hear me talk about laundry or letters of the alphabet. <laughs> as, as mentioned, I am on uh, the Gotham Chronicle with Stella and Don where we talk about uh, – Fox's series Gotham and, you know, characters like Oswald Cobblepot and Barbara Kane, who is very much alive in the show. Um, yeah. Just ask Renee Montoya. <laughs> uh, Clone Saga Chronicles with Zach Joyner, Gerard Delator, and uh, Donovan. And I, I guess Greg is officially a part of it now. I, I don't know because he's, he's been on the more than one episode in a row. So I guess he's sticking around, which is cool. We like Greg. Uh, we cover Spider-Man's Clone Saga, and I think that is it. Is it? Yes. Oh crap! Comic book film review. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, the one that That's we just Chris. recorded like l- less than a week ago. Apparently, my episode was not very memorable. Yours okay. was the best episode so far. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> we went to Tampa for that one. Yes, comic book film review. We're uh, with Donovan, uh, Stella, and our friend Chris. We uh, cover he, different comic book films. And, and Stella's mother. And Stella's mother. Well, I think that's it. That is it. So until next time, happy holidays to you. Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Ramadan, and all that other fun stuff. You live in a zoo. You look like a monkey and you smell like one too. (laughs) Until next time, fly Fly on, on, bad lovers. Fly on. Just plain Barbara Gordon masquerading for a lark as she rides into the night on her special Batgirl cycle. Who knows? Is the dynamic duo destined to become the triumphant trio? Only time will tell us more about this dazzling dare doll. (sighs) I love a happy ending, don't you? Yes, this is real music. Dark. Rooting, enforcing, groundbreaking. Check out the lyrics. Darkness. No parents. Continue darkness. More darkness. Get it? The opposite of light. Black hole. Curtains drawn. That's just the first verse. Darkness. No parents. Super rich. Kinda makes it better. A song. I do like the Vanessa Williams version of that. She does a good job. I have to say that throughout this Christmas season, I feel like Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas Is You has been repeated too much. Overplayed. Uh, I'll take it. Maybe in Virginia. I've not heard it at all. Replace this Christmas with every Christmas since it's come out. Oh, that's pretty happy. And, And I would say that hers is probably the best version I've heard. But, I mean, I, I left for practice this morning, and that was about 9. And then I come back after some errands, and it's about 12. I heard them both times, on both trips. It's too much. Too much Mariah Carey. I love, um, in the Love Actually movie. Oh, yes. There's, there's the little boy, and he has a crush on the girl. And, and he gets, yeah. He's her drummer, and she's singing yes. the song. Uh-huh. And then when she gets up to that line, uh-huh. she turns around and she you points at him. Bam, but and he has the biggest smile. He's, he's like, "Yeah, that's right." And then uh-huh. and then she starts pointing to everyone else, to everyone and, else. You, and, and you, you and you and you and, and, and his, his face goes away. sour. Yeah. And he like he finishes off his drumming like very very despondent. But then she loved him all along, so it was all happy. But his mom is still dead because it's sad. Sometimes you really bring down, like, my happiness level. <laughs> that, that movie, and then one of the guys from that movie became Rick from Walking Dead. And, yep. And, uh, then, he's in everything, and isn't he? And one's Liam Neeson. 
Yeah, like Qui-Gon Jinn, you know, Rick Grimes, you know, they yeah. all teamed up for a movie. And that one, the little boy that you were mentioning was is Jojen Reed, though Jojen is technically dead now, in Game of Thrones. Spoilers, sorry. I, I, well, I, well, wasn't he also well, 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 in... Well, wasn't he also in uh, Maze Runner? Oh, I don't know. I didn't see that. Okay. I haven't seen it. I saw Maze Runner, and it looked like a grown-up version of him. I was like, yeah, he would be grown-up by now. I have a question, and it involves Donovan. Okay. Uh, I will put this out before, when, the, when the show starts. Are you um, gum? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, I just goodness. had breakfast, and like you know, I always have it after I eat. But it'll, it'll, I'll spit it out more. I just wondered because I heard like the nom nom. nom. Oh yeah, I, 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 I have like. I thought, I thought this was your serious question, like. If Donovan was in a refrigerator, and the only way to save him oh, was to unplug the refrigerator, and all your ice cream would melt. But if your ice cream melted, then I would die. What would you do? Yeah. That actually sounds like really grisly. Like, if Donovan was in a washing machine, and you couldn't turn it off even after you unplugged it, how would you would you save him, or would you give up? Uh... <laughs> would I give up? Well, I'm sorry, Don. It can't be unplugged. <laughs> There's just nothing to do. Are any questions about how this is going to go? Um, I mean, did you, I don't think you've changed. I've listened to every episode. I don't think you've changed it since yeah, no. last month or last yeah. year. So I'll probably ask you some questions uh, just in the beginning, you know, about like the year and everything, and uh, and then we'll do Batman Annual Thirteen, which mm-hmm. I'm excited. I read that this <laughs> morning, and I was having some some difficulties following the continuity. And uh, <laughs> continuity. <laughs> really what, what, what's that? That <laughs> this might as well be an Elseworlds. What's this? What's this? Uh, and then we'll Barbara Keen is no. dead. No. What's this? What's this? Jason Todd met, never met Two Face before. What's Back, this? Yeah. Back row. When the sun begins. is setting in the sky, everyone yeah, so knows it's like body that. time. <sighs> tinkle, tinkle. You're like that. Uh, you're like um, one of the, one of those teachers from Gotham Academy. Like, not <laughs> that, that, that's drawn like a Batman villain, which I guess we'll get to. I like that. Do you have a problem with it? You do, don't you? Uh, no. I, I don't want to uh, No, I'm just confused. Like, <laughs> I was like, "Oh no, the teacher is Ra's al Ghul." What do we do? Wait a second. Well, like, like, we'll get into it, but like, like legitimately, Doctor Ma- Professor Milo's in the book. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's what I thought it was. I brought, I put his name there. I was like, "Oh, I think that's Professor Milo." And uh, Miss Harriet. I thought it was. I, I and think like, he actually said his name. I think Miss Harriet's supposed to be like you know look like yeah. Aunt Harriet because yeah. she she's from the Batman sixties so. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I'm like, are these just I supposed would. to be like coincidences, or like, are, are, so. are they actually like the villains in disguise? Like, we'll talk about it, but I think there is like, something going on there. Our new teacher, Robin, and like, oh, that's an interesting connection to Batman. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be that obvious. <laughs> well, what would you know? If, it's John Blake. Go, uh, Which, by the way, yeah, like Christian Bale is like trending. He's like, that's right. I'm here to reveal to you all that the ending to Dark Knight Rises was not a dream. What's that? And, that like, <laughs> and it's like, really? I, I don't think like anyone thought it was a dream. It's a little bizarre. <laughs> you know, this is the second time that a Batman has played Moses. It is. It is. The first one was Al Kilmer. Can you guess which yeah. movie? Uh, was it called Spirit of Egypt or something? Prince of Egypt. Prince of yeah. Egypt, yeah. And, and then, like, uh, Dan Slott responded on Twitter to that oh, factoid gosh. with a joke, saying, no, it's the third time, because Adam West played him in Let My People a Go-Go. Oh, my gosh. You're joking, <laughs> right? No. That's what Dan Slott said on Twitter. Here's the He's thing. Just... When, you, when you quote Dan Slott, I feel like you're quoting yourself. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you are more like 
to you and Dance Lot are more alike than you care to say. I often think they're like. No, I, I think I've admitted that. Like he, he is he is a dark version of me. <laughs> yeah, I think that, like, like Dance Lot is like the bizarro version of Josh. Like he uses his continuity powers for evil, and Josh tries to for good, but he he's bouncing between good and evil. Five hundred twenty-five thousand six hundred minutes times five. Five hundred twenty-five thousand. You know, I have to say, when I was watching mm-hmm. Flash this week, and uh, the detective was wearing one of those beanies, I was like, "Oh, it's the beanie from Rent." They didn't wait three years for him to confess his feelings. He did that like mm-hmm. six. Yeah, during Christmas. He hasn't taken her to his loft yet. Um, um he showed up at his. He stared at her through his telescope. Like this. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Crawling in my skin. That's not what it was. It was the, it was the Lifehouse song. Well, she showed up at his, like, he was looking at his wall of weird, and she shows up and is like, oh my gosh, I forgot that your parents are, or your mother is dead. I know, Iris. That's why you were living with us growing up. Uh, all right, I, I suppose... Oh, we got to be careful what we say. Castella includes all of this in the blooper section. I just want to say, like, I... That's about right. Got I'm it. ready to go. Okay. That's <laughs> probably where we should be going now. In fact. Yahtzee! Okay. <laughs> oh, you know, okay. <laughs> I, I need to tell you something about that off-microphone later. <laughs> I have a bad feeling about this. Uh, me too. Yeah, well, it, I'm, I'm thrown off my game. Okay, so... <laughs> That's my plan all along. Yes. What Jim Gordon? I mean, and is... the main story, like, I disagree with. Oh, say what? Uh, you you, you broke up. What was that? Maybe I can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. Briefly. Is Stella still there? No, Did Stella go to the bathroom? I just, I just got. Did that I message. go potty? No, I'm here. Okay, okay. I just got that message. No, I yeah, I do have to tinkle, but I'm I'm still here. Are you just um. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Like when you talk Woo-hoo! about Yahtzee, you get super excited. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I want uh, you. You can edit this out. I'm not. But, but no, right? no, 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 you no. Okay. Me <laughs> <laughs> Are you negative, Nancy, today? No, I just okay. You know what? Um, we have done Batman Annual last because it's really brought Don, you down. Donovan and I had a conversation about Nadia, so I'm kind of like about dancing Nadia. Around. No, Nadima. <laughs> the Nadima. I said I said Nadia too. Nadima, oh. and <laughs> so I, I, I was kind of uncomfortable approaching this character again. But... I don't really understand why you people have conversations outside of this, and then you like ruin the conversations within. Well, what well, this this is this is kind of touchy. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's you know no ben, no let's full, move no on. full let's no move full on. disclosure. We can we can let it out in the open. Um, I was concerned that it was diversity for the sake of diversity. Okay. But I changed my mind in the matter of hours because I asked myself a bunch of questions, like you know, and I realized that there was nothing wrong with uh, the diversity in the book. Something weird's happening. Can you hear it as well, or is it just me? What's what's happening? Can you hear the weird stuff that's going on with Donovan? Oh me? What what weird stuff is going on with him? Can you hear um, me? Yeah, it just sounded really like you were putting a pillowcase or something over the mic. Um, I, wasn't, I wasn't doing anything. Okay, it just there was a should bad I, moment. Should I hang up and call again? Did you hear no, all that? It's okay. I did. It was just getting bad, and I was concerned. <laughs> do you do? Sorry. <laughs> That's not like a smoker's cough. <laughs> a wheeze. Okay. Uh, 
<laughs> oh, me. Josh thought you I, I, him. I, I did. I did. I did. I actually, okay, before we go any further, um, Joseph asked me to wake him up at 3 o'clock because he has to go to work in like 4. Well, it, I'm sure it's a 5. Has he been sleeping since the night? No, he's been sleeping since like 7 or 8 a.m. So let me wake him up. You all can join me. Oh. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy... Whoop. It's three. Why can't you be nicer when you wake him up? Hey, honey. Honey. <laughs> it's up, baby. time to get up. You're on speaker, get... so he can also Oh, <laughs> no, that's awkward. Hello, time to go to work. Time to time to earn your keep. You <laughs> sound like someone menacing saying that. <laughs> I am menacing. Wakey, wakey. Hand off, snakey. <laughs> wow. I'm not even heard of that. I know what that means. Okay, your bus leaves in like about an hour. Wakey, wakey. Eggs and biggie. Yep. <laughs> wow. 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 Do you think this will go on the bloopers? What in the it's world? Up, Where is this? Up, up to you, but I hope I so. I thought he was inside his room. I am. It's 5-0. Why are you knocking on the door then? Because he's he's not resembling any form of consciousness. <laughs> Maybe throw some water. No, I'm not going to do that. Put his hand in a warm bucket. Oh, yeah. No. Why not? Because. Get on his face. Why don't <gasps> get a feather and tickle him? No. Blow his stomach like a, ch- a parent does. <laughs> These are all horrible ideas. Blow his stomach? You, <laughs> what is that? Why well, do you ever see a child do that to a little baby and they start giggling? Hey. <laughs> yeah. Come on, you're really going to be angry at yourself. Oh if my you don't gosh. Get up. <laughs> 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 I can't even imagine Josh it's doing that. You wanted me to wake you up. It's time. He's nudging him with his hobbit feet. Alright, if, if I go back into the living room, are you going to fall asleep? Are you sure? Touch him with your hobbit foot. He's a grown <laughs> man. He should go himself. There was somewhere, I, I almost, like, literally in, in the comic film review episode, put a dang every time you mentioned that, because there was, like, so many times you said that. <laughs> said like, what? Hobbit. Oh, the Hobbit. I'm sorry, okay. Tristan didn't say anything about it, like, we need to, we need to stop making references. I started to, like, like, like legitimately put in, a, like, a ding sound effect, but, like, it was too much work. Did right. I really say it that many times? <laughs> Actually, it, it evolved from like <laughs> it, it was weird. It went from like Thomas Jane's feet to my feet <laughs> to my feet being Hobbit feet to me being Lord of the Rings characters. To, to, to be to like, like to the point where like the joke had like evolved like from its original source. Well, so, don't well. call me boring. You know what I'm saying? All right, so uh, I think we're ready. Now. Um, I, I've done my responsibility. Okay. Uh, was that Ebonics? What? Ebonics? Have you heard Ebonics? No. <laughs> I'm just <kidding. laughs> Uh, Donovan, I think Girlish's Crystal is probably a porno. 
Wait, what? Because I've had a couple of those um, try to do contact me. And then... I thought it was a really snobby name. I don't. Wait, I mean, wait, wait. What? What? You have to look at your Skype chat thing, but somebody oh. is friending him. That's her name is Girl Wishes Crystal. Okay. And I've had a couple like triple X people. Um, I thought I lost like a minute of my life for a second. <laughs> what happened? Where was I? Well, like you were talking about Arkham Manor or Gotham, yeah, and lost. then all of a sudden you're like, "Yeah, that that's a like talking about names with Don." I was like, "Wait, what? Yeah, did I like did I block uh, out?" <laughs> no, you came back. What are those people that conk out and then come back? Insomniacs? Nope. No, the the insomniacs oh, don't block out at all. Narcolepsy. Narcolepsy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Um. So, Baz and the Tube are gonna skip because we've got it's it's got it it's got its own. Yes. Episode. <laughs> it, it has its own episode. <laughs> it has its own. Ep- now I'm getting loopy, but I got a potty so badly. Um. Hey, are you Take guys? I can right now. Is your brother up, BT Dubs? No, and I tried. <laughs> you, you all heard how much I tried, so uh, it's, well, I was trying too. Yeah, I know. We all tried, so at this point, it's frankly not my problem. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've done all I've I've done all I would do for somebody that age. Okay. Um, oh my crap! Yep. Well, that's the way the story goes. And uh, and. Please edit that out. <laughs> you, you, you have more work to do. You did not have to do that. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm punchy. Apparently. Apparently. I know that these blooper sections for these B2 anniversaries are epic, and apparently almost nothing is cut out ever, as I learned last year. <laughs> like, from the moment that we started the call, like, I've kind of been, like, on guard that, like, everything I say is yep. going to be, like, on there, unless it's specifically something that, like, we asked to edit cut out. out. That's yeah. Right. That's because <laughs> I never have bloopers, so. The one time I have it, I gotta have it. Fly, Fly on, on down, down. Wow, that was messy. Well, that was, should we try it again? <laughs> we could say it one at a time, but you could sink it. But well, that might be too much work. Oh, we, we could just try again. Okay. <clears throat> Dos, Tris. Fly, Fly on, bad love. That was Josh's fault. Because I, I wasn't sure when we were going. It was like, one, is it two, one, two, three? Okay, okay. We, oh, we, we, no, we go on go. <laughs> That's okay. the simplest thing. That way we're not waiting for five or three or like, okay. okay. All right. So, so it's, what is it? One, two, three, go. Sure. If you say so. Okay. Who's doing the, who's doing the count? All right. One, two, three, go. Fly, Fly on. Why are we so slow at saying this? Dustin kept getting upset at Donovan because he kept messing up what he was supposed to say about Remember when we were all trying to say April Fool's at your your wedding and we couldn't do it, so we just said it one at a time. Dustin got mad at me because I I did a bad April Fool's. I did like an April Fool's. He's like, okay, we all need a cartoon character. (laughs) (laughs) He's half Dustin, half Apple with that accent. (laughs) <laughs> okay, we'll go one, two, three, fly. Good. Ready? What? Okay. Wait. One. Oh. Oh, come on! <laughs> one, two, three, fly. Fly on, on best. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I tried, but you broke before I did. Why <laughs> can't this work? This, this is way too silly. <laughs> I can't get through a sense of laughing. Whose fault is that? If we can get through this, we can get through anything. One, two. No, no, not yet, not yet. <laughs> I have to catch my breath. <laughs> You're like, I'm not ready. I'm gonna laugh if we do it too soon. <laughs> I have to tingle so bad. <laughs> okay. 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 We're doing it now. Yeah. One, two, three.